Hello, everybody, and welcome to the debut episode of Polyphony and Potables. My name is Dan Morgan, and I'm joined by two very special friends for this debut episode who will probably be joining me for several, if not the majority of the episodes. This was kind of their idea, or at least maybe one of our guests here. So I'll let them introduce themselves. I'm joined by the lovely Don and Lee Simpson, very great friends of mine, accomplished musicians, educators, and overall people. The floor is yours. Thanks, in Dan. championship competition. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Uh, my name is Don Simpson, and I am the band director at a high school. Um, and Dan works with me. He's my assistant band director for the marching band and the indoor program. And um, I'm actually the director of the indoor program. He's, he's the director. <laughs> he is. He is. I, I do nothing. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, yeah, so I, I play percussion. Um, my wife and I met in college and I'm going to have her tell you how, um, how we met, but, but I'm a percussionist, uh, mainly, and I dabble in a little bit of trumpet and piano. So, uh, off to you, babe. Okay. Yeah. So I'm Lee and Don and I were have been married for 12 years as of the 21st of June. I'm primarily a classical flutist. I went to the Hart School of Music on a classical music scholarship. Um, it's about as useless as it sounds, so I transferred to Rowan and got my degree in music education, which is where I met my husband in a jazz ensemble, actually. Um, I've taught everything from K through 12. I've been in a school administrator and currently due to the climate with COVID-19, I am gainfully unemployed, but I'm hoping that that's going to change really soon. But I'm really excited about this episode and I think we're going to cover a lot of really interesting stuff. So we're going to talk about beer as we always do across the Podcast Potables Network and this podcast specifically will be combining that idea with music. We have a lot of great ideas. Don put together a hell of a list of albums and, and beer kind of pairings. So we're definitely going to explore things like that. But we will explore broad topics and pretty much anything and everything we can think of. And obviously you, the listener, if you have any suggestions on anything you would like to hear from us or anybody you would like to possibly hear on the podcast, please reach out to us via our social media, via our email, anything like that. All social media, we are at Process Potables or on Instagram at Podcast Potables Network. Before we get into our topic for this pod, I do want to talk about what we're drinking here since that's always a big part of this. And I'll start because I'm really enjoying this beer. This is one of the more intriguing and unique beers that I've had recommended and given to me by my friends Don and Lee here from their collection. It is from Icarus Brewing and it is called Neon Fantasy. It is an imperial IPA with lactose, coconut, and lemongrass. When I read that, that was quite the combination to me. If you've listened to anything else on this network, you know that I'm a huge fan of most beers that have lactose. But coconut and lemongrass are both things that I have had very sporadically. They are not things that in the general sense of a palate that I would usually enjoy. But as I often explain I find that a lot of things I don't enjoy on their own, I do enjoy in beer, things like coconut, things like pineapple, especially things like coffee, which I don't drink, but I love coffee beers. So there's not there's not much that will deter me from trying this, but even reading this, I thought that this was a weird combination, but they all blend together very well. It's very balanced. You don't get that much coconut and lemongrass. It is pretty much a lactose IPA, and those are very subtle hints. The description that they have 
reads as a heavily weeded and oated Northeast Imperial India Pale Ale with lactose brewed with lemongrass. Copiously dry hopped with Lupulin Citra, Idaho 7, and Experimental Brew 1. Finished on lemongrass and coconut. So with that description, you can see, you know, finishing it on lemongrass and coconut, I think, is why the flavor is so subtle, which I appreciate. Because especially lemongrass, like coconut, I think I've found to be okay, especially like a coconut stout. I can get behind. Lemongrass is really weird. Getting a lot of, a couple sours, a couple saisons, you know, your farmhouse ales and a lot of those, I mean, sours I'm huge on, but saisons and farmhouse ales I, I'm very hit and miss with. But this is this is a great drink, and at 8%, I mean, this is smooth, and it doesn't taste strong. Uh, I could definitely, I mean, I could probably have two or three of these before I start noticing it, but the drinkability is very nice. The mouthfeel is great, very smooth, kind of cloudy, uh, and I, I'm a very big fan of that. What do you guys have in front of you? we got a very uh, diverse palette of drinks here. Yeah, so right now I'm drinking a rosé. I'm drinking a French rosé. Before I uh, before I switched back into teaching from school administration, I managed a winery for a while. So I really got a chance to develop that palate. So that's what I'm drinking right now. But before then, I wanted to highlight uh, the beer that I was drinking before, which is by a another North Jersey brewery called Magnify, which is doing really, really great things. They're very much a one-off brewery. You're not going to find a whole lot of year-round standards with them. You're going to find a lot of experimental things, which is something that I really, really like. And this particular beer is a double dry hopped IPA called Cream Line. Uh, Again, as Dan was saying, it's brewed with lactose. It's a 7% double dry hopped uh, IPA that's brewed with as much beer with as much lactose as a glass of milk so 12 grams of lactose that per explains eight, why i liked it so much yeah per eight ounces of beer said it's way more than they've ever used in a beer before and they hopped it with citra motuka and simcoe so it's very super smooth it's very creamy it does not taste like a seven percent so you've got to be careful with it because it's got just the right amount of sweetness and if you're not careful it's going to catch up with you which is why i switched to rosé hmm. don what do you have? It pairs well with your favorite cookie. What's my favorite cookie? Uh-oh. My favorite cookie or Dan's favorite cookie? Anyone's favorite cookie. You better Just know both. a favorite cookie? Do you know my favorite cookie? Your favorite cookie? I don't know. I really don't. Why Maybe you, one we've of been the married maple? 12 years. Well, this is round cookies? one. Yeah, no. It's an oatmeal raisin cookie, but oatmeal fine. Raisin. Continue. What are you okay. drinking? What are you drinking? So... <laughs> Things that don't pair well with your favorite cookie. I'm drinking a good old Mexican Modelo. Um, I have a slice of lime in it. And as I was telling my wife and and Dan earlier, I needed to take a break from the heavy beers. The heavy beers were not doing well with me for a little bit because I think I overloaded on them. And so now I'm doing this Modelo. Uh, I I find that I can drink a lot of them. And uh, it doesn't really make me feel full. So uh, this is a uh, Modelo Especial. 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 There's no E at the end. So um, it doesn't well, It doesn't say. Spanish, I'm pretty so, sure it's 4.5%. You know. Probably. And yeah. uh, it's just crisp and fresh. So and By the end of the night, Dan and I will be pissing 4.5%. There so. you go. <laughs> and then... And, Listen, Ho- we, hopefully we, not into my bottle. We, <laughs> I make no guarantees. We'll see how this goes. I'm in a good mood today. You've been pretty nice. Yeah, good. Good. 
I like I like that we're we're expanding the range of stuff. We don't you know potables is just about being like a strong, potent beverage. That's kind of the idea of it. So you know we're not we're not stuck strictly on beer. We got a wine. We've got you know more of your generic commercial kind of beer, but still a beer that you can enjoy. We've had several podcasts where we drink water. I believe we may have done whiskey once. Uh, I would definitely like to get into that more and uh, lead to your point when you manage the winery. Like that would also be a great place. Hopefully, once the world resumes, that maybe we could go set up shop sometime and record because I think that would be a great pairing oh absolutely and we could do we could do flights over there and and do pairings and whatnot for sure I think if we were going to do that though we would need to you know start listening to maybe some more classical music we'll um, get there because I don't think a wine a fine wine would pair well with with a little all-time low in the background you know what I mean well (laughs) you know we'll see they whine they, they, they do, do wine. They do, they do they wine. Do they do wine. wine. They do wine. Emo music and wine. They were made for each other. Mm. That's true. Wine and wine. Wines exactly. and wines. Gotta add that um, H in there. But good. we're not talking classical music today. We're not really talking any specific genre of music today. We're talking about all genres and the idea of covering artists. So the idea of other artists playing songs of the original artist, whether that be making them their own or not, whether those be... You know, there are charity records that do it. There are strictly live performances. There are recorded performances. Bands do entire cover albums. Uh, There are several reasons why it may be done, and there are going to be varying opinions on this. We have a couple of topics that we'll cover as far as cover songs go. What we are going to start with is just the general idea of covers, what we like and what we don't like about them. Lee, do you want to start us off here on on, on what you do like about the idea, uh, the overall concept of a cover song? Sure. I I like cover songs because I like when artists can take something that they're inspired by and not just emulate the sound, but really sort of turn it around and, and really turn it on its head. I think a good cover song is going to evoke new emotions for you, that it's going to give you a new perspective on the song, and it could open your eyes to a new side of that artist that you hadn't really thought about before. So I, I've got some good examples of songs that fit all three of those categories. So that's definitely something that I like in a cover song. Are we going into dislikes person to person? Or are we just doing likes all around? You and can do dislikes? your dislikes too if you want. So my dislikes are when an artist covers a song just to say that they covered that song. Uh, just maybe like a, a clout chasing sort of thing. And whenever an artist covers a song that I would consider an untouchable for me... And for me, my main two untouchables are uh, Imagine and Purple Rain. And my very favorite artist has covered both of those, but she's done them in concert as sort of just a, you know, this is a one night only thing. She didn't record it for any particular album. It wasn't included in any kind of compilation, but those are songs that I think are so sacred to me that... They were done so perfectly the first time around. You can interpret it all you want, but you just you're it's just not going to be able to compare. So those are those are my likes and dislikes. I like to open my horizons. I like to hear artists in a different way, hear songs interpreted a different way. And and for me that that's something that makes a great cover song. What about you, Don? Um, I think when it comes to covers, I think uh, and we were talking earlier, um, and so 
as a musician, uh, I was always told that you emulate your favorite people and then that is going to lead you to your own voice. Um, so for me, it's natural for people to do covers because they're, you know, play, paying homage to, to their, to their favorite people. Um, but I think when you do a cover, you need to do it in your own style. And that's kind of what, what we were talking about earlier. You know, um, for instance, if you're doing a cover like Weezer tried to do Africa, they did it to sound like Africa. They didn't do it to sound like Weezer or, or they did it to sound like Toto, I should say, but they didn't do it to sound like Weezer. So, um, it's not going to be true in my opinion to do a cover if you are trying to sound exactly like that other artist, um, unless you are in a band that is that someone is paying you to, to play a song that sounds exactly like the artists. Um, yeah. if, if you are your own band and, and you are, you are Weezer. <laughs> I'm, I'm just using that because that came to my head right no, now. And, that, and that's great because like they did a whole album and I didn't really care for anything. And I think it's for the same reason you're saying is they were all just kind of copycat versions. They felt very vanilla, very generic. And Weezer is a band that's been around for so long and has like this, like they're a big name band and they have this unique kind of personality mm-hmm. that like they're, they're very good, like, especially when you go back to their old stuff, which I think is probably what we're all, you know, bigger fans of, like, mm. Pinkerton and the Blue Album, mm-hmm. that, you know, they have, like, they have this old school alternative emo-ish kind of vibe, but it's also weirdly kind of, uh, like, humorous in a way, and I think that, you know, especially a song like Africa, you maybe would have hoped they would have, you know, taken some liberties and had some fun with. Yeah, and, and using you know, a different not, synth doesn't make it a different. Right, not like a weird Al Yankovic parody version, yeah. but yeah. you know, just take some liberties with it, and they they didn't do that at all. It's mm-hmm. vanilla as as anything. It's vanilla yeah. as ice cream. Well, and and Don, you're so much more adept at doing covers in a different style because of being a jazz musician and having that almost that liberty to interpret things as you will. I know that you did a Tony Williams solo as part of what your junior recital Yes, in school. Yeah. But meanwhile, I was classically trained. You play what's on the page. You play it the way that it's supposed to be played. You do not deviate from that. You don't put your own spin on it because that's not how Bach and Beethoven did it. Well, okay, fine. But that doesn't leave a whole lot of room for artistic creativity so you're definitely more adept at creating and and interpreting those covers better than i was for well, if sure you're, if you're talking about a, a a large ensemble like an orchestra it's up to the conductor to have that freedom and 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 do what they want with with what bach and beethoven wrote as opposed to the individual player yeah but there's so still that's not gonna, the difference but but if like if if Yannick Nizet Sagan, who is the conductor for the Philadelphia Orchestra, if he's doing Rite of Spring, it's still going to be Rite of Spring. He's not adding a drum set in there. He's not adding saxophones in there. That's my he's job. Not, that's your job. He's not changing it. So that would not, to me, be a cover song. And like going back to Weezer, I know they did it because there was this big online campaign, I think it was through Twitter, that they wanted, the fans wanted them to cover uh, Africa. And they teased it by covering Rosanna, which is one of our son's favorite songs. He loves Rosanna. He's loved Rosanna since he was maybe a year or two old, which is, you know, kind of weird, but so is our kid. And it just, 
it, it fell flat for me. And then when Africa came out, I was still disappointed. And I actually thought Rosanna was better than Africa, but neither of them were particularly good. Dan, what are you thinking? Yeah, so me and Don kind of share the same thing. My my biggest gripe with covers is when they are basically done note for note and with little to no in, innovation. And I kind of fall, you know, in between probably the medium of you two. I'm not neither a jazz musician nor classically trained, but I guess I'm more classically trained than jazz. I was never much of a jazz drummer, so improv and kind of off the cuff is not as easy for me as being handed a piece of music and learning how to play. You hand me the music, I can play it, mm-hmm. uh, and I will practice it, and I will get it right now. I'll play it as it's written. If you ask me, you know, even right now, even as a, a drum set player of you know, 23 years at this point, if you ask me to just sit behind a kit and kind of go to town, like, that's not really how I work. I more like to write my stuff, take time with it. I, I don't really freestyle or anything. And, you know, that's the reason that I don't think covers have ever been all all that big into my wheelhouse either. And doing things like a cover band was never that interesting to me. I really like to take a lot of liberties if I do something like that, which isn't really the norm for that. We'll, we'll kind of get to that. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the songs that you think are untouchable. I, I had two of those for myself as well, which I had Bohemian Rhapsody by mm. Queen and Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Bohemian Rhapsody is just such a unique and incredible song that it just doesn't make sense for anybody to touch that. I agree. And Don't Stop Believing is is not this masterpiece of a song, but it was, you know, the perfect kind of wheelhouse for Journey. And it's not that I don't think a band could do it, but almost every time I hear a band do it, it's never good. So it just seems like it's better to avoid just for the integrity of the song. Do you, Don, do you have songs that you could think of that, like, you just don't want... Don, I mean, we know where you sit on a certain <laughs> subject of it. You can talk about that if you want. Honestly, I don't. I don't have an untouchable. Really? Um, Nothing by Stevie? No, Nothing. because because I... Well, I, I know you don't I, like anything by Michael Jackson sampled, right? Well, it's... it's So sampling he is a whole other thing. more of a thing. problem with samples, and that's a okay. whole other yeah. podcast. We yeah. can get I into have, that. No, that's fine. I wasn't, yes. sure, I wasn't sure if you kind of differentiated that to that kind of degree or not. No, I mean... I, I don't, I wouldn't, I was just thinking about it, you know, like, I, I don't think I would have any untouchables because I, I enjoy hearing what somebody can do to a song. Uh, some of my favorite things to, to listen to um, are Christmas music or is Christmas music. And it's, and it's, and every year, I mean, you know, like we have so much Christmas music. I would not um, take, I never knew that. It's, and it's funny because like, <laughs> I just love to see and to hear what, what somebody can take. Oh, do I have the album for you? Of a song that everybody knows that just, you know, and, and see what they do to it. You know, like I, I have, we have so much Christmas music and every year I wait and see like, who's going to come out with a Christmas album because it's, it's important to me to to hear what other people do with those songs that we all know. Um, and the songs are beautiful, you know, and it, it's, it's, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or anything, but like That's real, real liturgical Christmas music that I think is, is, you know, it's great. It's, well, you're a big one on Ave Maria. Yes. The Schubert. The Schubert yes. Ave Maria, but yes. you go absolutely like I I, I feel like your dick gets hard a little bit when you listen to Harry Connick's version of Ave Maria or Stevie's version of Ave Maria. 
Like you lose your mind, time stops. I'm not allowed to speak and neither is our son. And we have to listen to Ave Maria. Kind of like the Seinfeld episode where Elaine is dating the guy that listens to Desperado and when, <laughs> and everything stops when he listens to Desperado. That's him with Harry Connick Jr. or Stevie's version of Ave Maria. Amazing. Yeah. And it's and that's that's what I'm talking about. It's like, you know, the way Harry did it was very different than the way Stevie did it. And, you know, we don't need to talk about that now, but we, we can get into it later. But sure, um, it's it's I love hearing something, knowing the original and then seeing what other people do with it. And that's why I think I love writing marching band music so much in that style, because I can take it and make it sound different from for here and screw it up as much as I can but still keep that original, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, and, it's that, and and that's, that's where I am. I, I would like to sit there and compose it and arrange it and rewrite it. It's the on-the-fly stuff is where I think a lot of times, like if you're going to do a cover, I think a, a lot of people kind of take for granted that, oh, like we can just learn the song and go play it. If you kind of just half-ass it and go out and play it as, as you think it is and don't really give it any thought, then that's when I think a lot of times it can rub people the wrong way because – one, it, you probably haven't put in the appropriate effort anyway. And two, you're going to rub people that really appreciate and, and care for that that track, that artist, whatever it may be, and, and really kind of rub them the wrong way. And music is so personal that like it can really hit It's almost disrespectful. And, exactly. And, and people can see that, that very way. personally, even if it's not their music, mm-hmm. if it's something that's close to them. Which kind of brings me to the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is your thoughts on like cover bands and artists in general and not really the same thing, but this was a conversation we were having. So maybe we can kind of talk about both sides of it is, you know, there are bands that just do covers and that's their full-time gig, whether that be like a wedding band or a bar band or, or both or what have you, or the idea of artists that do entire cover albums or, or really get invested in, in cover music and your thoughts on, on how you feel about that. One of the the first encounters that I really had with cover bands was right after high school, I toured Europe with an orchestra, no big deal, and I got turned on to Meet First in the Gimme Gimmies, which I was sort of dipping my toe in the waters of like second wave punk. My cousin was a real big first wave punk guy, but... He's a little bit older than me. So for me, it was like Screeching Weasel, No Effects, MXPX, Lagwagon, No Use for a Name, all of those guys. So that sort of turned me on because Me First is made up of two dudes from Lagwagon, a dude from No Effects, and a dude from Swing and Utters. And then they bring people here and there on tour. And they're sort of a quote unquote super group as Toto was actually, but more on the studio musician side. But I liked what they were doing because everything, it was short, it was quick. They, you could tell that they weren't taking themselves seriously, that this was just a really cool, fun side project. And they did an album of Broadway songs. They did an album of 50s and 60s songs. And that was really my first, uh, my first true experience with a, like a cover band, so to speak. And then, you know, more and more have come up later. We can talk about Postmodern Jukebox and uh, Scary Pockets, which Don knows a whole lot more about them. But I like me first because they put a specific 
genre into the cover song. It's going to be a punk song. You know, it's going to be a punk song. They're not going to try and do anything else. They're not going to try and make it fancy. It's going to be fast. It's going to be quick. It's going to be in and out and they do their thing and it's their side gig. And, and you know what? I dig it. I respect it. Speaking of fast, quick and in and out, Don. Oh, oh, babe. (laughs) Wow. I mean, I don't know what you do with Dan when you're in your free time. True. Wasn't ready for that. (laughs) Um, So, so when it comes to, yeah, I mean, I really don't know. I didn't even know that me first and gimme gimme's were a cover band. I knew of them, but I didn't, I didn't realize that they, that's what they do. So. Well, and you um, and I come from very different musical backgrounds. Yes. So there's a lot of things that we've turned each other on to because of what we listened to in our youth. But continue. Sorry, that's why I thought this this was a good panel too. Obviously, like we all know music and our musicians, but uh, even though we're very close friends, we have very different music tastes. So it's not like I, you know, I didn't just bring two of my other friends on so we could sit here and talk about all the Punkos pop (laughs) albums. It's not really that interesting. Well, and we'll be in the car and be listening to like 90s on 9 or 80s on 8 on XM and like not even like Mr. Mister's Broken Wings, but like some random probably fell in the billboard charts between like 50 and 40. And I know every single word. And he's like, how the hell do you know this song? I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I guess I just listened to a lot of crap when I was younger or my parents did. But my parents also listened to Billy Joel in Chicago and all of that stuff. So, I mean, I can tell you the whole Billy Joel catalog or, or all of Chicago. My dad was in a Chicago cover band um, as a trombonist when in the seventies, but, um, but you listened to more like Motown and yeah, I was a big beach fan. boys. I was a big fan of, of, of oldies 98 back in the nineties when the, when it actually used to play oldies. Now they play stuff from the eighties, which well, is, I guess it's oldies now. I was going to say, babe, it's oldies now. We are old. Yeah, like Corey plays it on his show. It's oldies. <laughs> exactly. That's Shout right. Out Shout out to, to Corey. Corey Oates. <laughs> Corey Oates. I, I have a funny, uh, real quick story on Corey and on Sirius, too, because we just took a, a trip to Virginia last week, and I have Sirius in my car, and I usually rotate between the, the three in a row of 90s on 9, the 2000 station, and mm-hmm. Pop Rocks. Okay. Which I've become okay. a really big fan of. Yeah. That, that Corey turned me on to. They have a whole covers channel on Sirius XM now, though, by yeah. the way. I did not know that. Yes. I, it might not be in my package. Though. I think it's on channel 301. I don't know. I don't think mine goes that high. I don't know. But <laughs> we were listening two different times within the span of 15 minutes. We were listening to, uh, we went from 90s on 9, and I for, uh two songs, Creed's higher, yeah. and stains. It's been a while. Stain D. Oh. Stain D. Stained. 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 No, stained. Stained D. Jesus Christ! <laughs> You're so annoying. See, this is Sorry. this is those songs years, both came on. I think I think Creed must have came on '90s on nine, and then came on the 2000s because it came out in '99. Mm. So they consider it for both. Oh. So literally, we caught the second half of it on '90s on nine, and then when we switched to 2000s because we didn't like the next song. It was just starting. So wow. then we listened to the first half. And then I, I think it was probably the uh, Stains, It's Been a While, was on the 2000 station. And mm-hmm. then five minutes later was on Pop Rocks. And I was like, what is okay. going on here? Oh, my God. Now, now speaking of, of Creed Hire, oh, I, I heard oh. that the other day. Okay. Um, on 90s on 9. Because I, I took her car and whatever's on, I, I leave on until I can't take it anymore. Um, 
But I was like, oh, you Ooh, know what? Let me okay. let me listen to this uh, because I haven't heard it in a while. And I was like, this really isn't that bad. I think I think the issue that people have with that particular song is that it was way way overplayed. But but as a song, I mean, it's it's not it's not horrible. I don't want to go on my Creed diatribe no. here on our on our cover episode. No. <laughs> Creed just kind of like a meme band at this point, mm. and and yeah. Scott Staff is like. I will admit that like he has a, a good voice, I guess, for that kind of thing. But it's just so easy to make fun of him, and I won't do my impression on here. But no. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to do like I, I was just saying. Like as a I, I as get a what song musically, you know, I I could see why why it was a hit because right. you know it, it's not it's not a bad song. It's it's written very well, and 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 it has some it has some chops in there. You know, like it's got that guitar thing in there. <laughs> And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, this has gone off the rails. No, I don't like this. <laughs> and I also let's, don't. Let's take this back I also to... don't want to hear anybody cover Creed's Hire. No, so Let's no, add that to the list of untouchables. One and done and one was enough. But what do you think about like postmodern jukebox and scary pockets? So postmodern, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you guys, I, I know you've heard. I mean, have you heard a lot of them? I yeah. don't even know. Yeah, but you know you're going to get that sort of 2030s, 2030s speakeasy mm-hmm. kind of vibe mm-hmm. from them. They've recorded a lot at the Oviat Penthouse where my sister had her wedding reception. And it makes sense because it was also used in a lot of things from Mad Men. So you get like a more like a 50s, 60s kind of thing. But you're going to get like maybe a little bit of easy Motown, but it's going to be mostly acoustic and in a in a very crooner kind of style what i like about them is that it's never the same people yeah like the yes, like yes, yes. it's always the piano player because he's the guy um, i don't know his name but but and then and then he's got like he's got like a pool of musicians depending on what song he's gonna do and 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 a pool of singers um and he kind of he kind of arranges the song based off of the singer that he chooses i feel um I don't know if you noticed that, but well, I would hope so. Yeah, but but, but that's that's, that's cool. It works, and then and then he and then he gets the musicians to back that style up, you know. Um, so it's not one band; it's just one guy. Yeah, you know, it's essentially just him. Um, Whereas Scary Pockets, Scary Pockets, the same thing. They they have they have like two or three guys, I think. And but they then, specialize in what in funk, right? Yeah, everything is a funk. Uh, version of 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 whatever it is. So, and then they like to make a medley out of out of songs that you would never think would go together. Um, See, that was my favorite really, thing really about cool. doing a cover band was trying to piece together songs and, and and have them transition well or even mash them up. And there's a uh, there's a group that I I don't know if it was like a guy or a band, but it was called the Legion of Doom, who put out like a eighteen maybe it's not eighteen I think it's like fifteen or sixteen songs of like the mid two thousands of like, you know, pop punk emo stuff like that. And it's like basically like a DJ crossover of like each song, but um, with like other random samples and stuff thrown in. And and it's probably still one of my favorite things in music of all time. And it was, of course, like I believe he had permission from all the artists because he definitely didn't get sued or anything. But like after that, like, I guess it just became harder to do or people weren't interested. And like, you can't find the CD anywhere. I'm lucky I was able to buy a physical copy Mm. around when it first came out. And I, you know, have it, I still have it in my iTunes match. So I'll have it forever. But I I think it's pretty hard to find those things. and, And I love it. The only thing I remember them doing after that was I think one of the Saw movies he made a mashup and it was used in there. I want to say it was like, 
it might have been Slayer and somebody. Okay. It was weird, but it was one of the main songs from one of the Saw movies, and then after that, it just, like, fizzled out. But that was always really cool. Postmodern Jukebox was the one I had as, like, this unique thing, and I appreciate anybody that leans into a bit or a gimmick and sticks with it, especially one as cool as that, in my opinion. The other one, and I don't know if you would consider this necessarily as a cover band, because I guess maybe it's different, but I was curious your thoughts on on groups like Pentatonix, ah. which I know is acapella, but it generally is covers of stuff. Um, I can kind of take or leave them. They're incredibly talented. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, not disdaining that at all, but I'm just not an acapella guy. I'm a big fan of them. Um, well, I'm a big fan of, actually, well, Pentatonix is good, but... Um, I like a couple other ones better. Um, Straight No Chaser, I think, is better. Straight No Chaser is great. Um, I hope you're going to say my favorite. And Committed, Yay, obviously. That's it. Um, and even Noda is pretty good. Noda's great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know I, I I like those 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 groups because then again, I've never heard of the other ones, so maybe you can. It's it's a different take on on right. the song that you know, and that's what I appreciate. You know, like I think Straight No Chaser did. Um, they did. They, they did put 12... Africa into 12 Days of Christmas. They did. It's amazing. <laughs> I'll play that for you. It's, it's really, really great. Cool. It's super funny. They're very tongue-in-cheek. Um, well, and then you start getting into, like, collegiate acapella groups and whatnot. But, yeah, Committed, Pentatonics, and Noda all came out of a show called The Sing-Off, which um, was sort of like an American Idol for acapella groups and ben folds was a judge he's one of my favorite humans love him sean stockman was a job was was a judge sorry and sarah barillis and then she had left and then nicole scherzinger from the pussycat dolls came on and she was sort of like the paula abdul of the group where she's like your outfits are really great and i love the way you sound but she really didn't have like much substantive infinite information to impart but committed was the season two winner noda was a season one winner and actually i a couple months ago got in touch with a couple of the members of committed because they do a version of maxwell's pretty wings which it like i the first time i heard it i almost had to pull my car to the side of the road because it was so beautiful like i i could not pay attention to anything else i was doing and i had asked Two of their members, um, Terry and Gaston, I had DM'd them on Instagram and asked them, hey, do you have an arrangement of this? I want to try to do an arrangement and send it out to my students because, you know, we've been, uh, we were on remote learning from the middle of March until the end of the school year. And I just wanted a little project and something to present to them. And both of them got back to me and I, I talked to them, you know, on a semi-regular basis, but I mean, you know, whatever it is, what it is. And both of them said, oh, we didn't write that arrangement down. We just sort of did it in the studio, which when you listen to the song, it's absolutely mind blowing that, I mean, like, I'm sure the foundation was there because you're not just going to go in there dry, but the fact that these then six, it's a group of five now, I believe, gentlemen can go in there and they, when a band gets together, you sort of have that energy and you know what the other people are going to do and you can feed off of each other with just a look or just a gesture. And to be able to have that kind of relationship and that energy where you don't need to write the music down, it just comes out was just um I it's like what do you 
what, what do I do with that knowledge? Like, okay, I'm not going to cover that song. I'm not going to arrange that song because like, I can't believe that you did it the way that you did it. And it, and it simply just can't be replicated. Yeah. And that goes back to, you know, kind of understanding it and respecting and appreciating an artist like that. And in this case, even, you know, a, a cover artist, mm. but still understanding that, okay, like maybe I just can't do this justice. Maybe this is something that doesn't need to, to be touched again. Now, obviously, I mean, your intention there was educational. So I think that's always okay, but still to your point, it was kind of like, you know, you, you probably could have figured it out, but I think there was just almost this like beauty to how their process went with it, that you were like, and I think because of the personal way it held to you that I think almost maybe you didn't want to mess with that and, yeah. and, ha- and have that change. And, and now you have that story that goes with it that makes it all the more deeper than it already was. Yeah, exactly. If it had been written down and it was arranged for them and they performed it, that would be one thing. But this is something that truly came from like the depths of their souls. And that, then I, I'm not going to touch that. I'm not going to try. I mean, could I arrange it? Yeah, sure. I can take the time. I can I can arrange it, sure, and, and do it note for note. But why would I want to do that when it was done so perfectly in an organic fashion in the first place? Right. So you two have such... You're, you're very good with, I think, you know, artists and, and knowing a lot of these things that this might be a, a topic that's really only for me, but... I'm curious if there are any songs that, you know, maybe the first time you heard it, you didn't know it was a cover. Mm-hmm. And then later you found out that it was that wasn't actually the original artist and that they were covering something. I have three and I'm not proud of any of them, really. Same. But. I have three <laughs> and I'm not proud of two of them. OK, <laughs> so I, I maybe we can go around them. My first one is Alien Ant Farm Smooth Smooth Criminal. I did not know what? that that was Mike, a Michael Jackson song because the first time I ever heard but it was again, Alien Art from being on MTV. But then again, how out. old are you? Remind you know, I'm 31. You're, you're 31. I was going to say, I'm 41. So there's a very big difference in when you and I went to school. And, and neither of my parents listened to Michael Jackson or anything like that. My mom listened to basically grunge and, and Alanis Morissette and Pink Floyd. And my dad, the very little that I was ever around him, listened to kiss and the who Mm -hmm. and the Beatles. So I really didn't know most of like, you know, you know, anything you see on TV, I know beat it. I know Billie Jean, like at that point, cause this came out when I was 13, I think, I think it was Mm -hmm. 2001. So I had no idea. And I don't think I found out for, for quite some time that that was a Michael Jackson Hmm. song, which like you look at the video and you realize like, Oh yeah, they they do make a lot of really nice nods to MJ. I've never seen the video, but but it's nice. It's a one. It's an amazing cover. Yeah. It's all like they did. They did a really, really good job. They did, And and that's kind of to our point of like making it your own. Like they really fit that in their style and I'll give them credit because that's all anyone knows them for. But that album that it was on, there are a lot of good songs on there. Mm. I don't know anything they did after it. I didn't stick Me with neither. them like being a fan of them, but they had a lot of nice songs on that album. Didn't like, they have another hit though? Uh, movies was on that album and, okay. and did pretty well. They had a music video. I think it, it got on like, I think it might've been on TRL. I know this was a TRL like 
uh, you know, Total Request Live for anybody that doesn't know, which yeah. is like yeah. t- top 10 music video countdown show from when I was in middle school and everything. <laughs> Carson but, Daly? Yeah, Carson <laughs> Daly. But I think movies made that as well. It was definitely an MTV's rotation. Whether it made TRL, I think it was probably more like an honorable mention one or maybe cracked like 10. But Smooth Criminal, I think, was definitely always hovering around like five or six. And I think maybe was getting toward the top at some points. I don't know if it ever got nearly that high. But I, I, I didn't know. I really didn't know. What do you, what do you have? Have um, you thought about it? Or? Yeah. Um, actually, I, I have... I have three as well. Fantastic. Um, Me too. So the biggest one that don't steal my answer. I don't. I don't think I'm proud of either. But um, it, I can't hear any other version. But this is along the Watchtower. You stole my answer. Um, <laughs> along the Watchtower. Like I, I had no clue that that Jimmy covered that song. I was watching something on, you know, the anatomy of a cover. And uh, and they talk about this, and uh, they said basically that Bob Dylan essentially just kind of said, "All right, that's not my song anymore." <laughs> like Jimmy just reinvented the whole thing mm-hmm. and made it made it such an iconic song for the time. And I mean, because Bob Dylan didn't do it that much earlier yeah. than than Jimmy covered it. I mean, and and Jimmy put such a such another spin on it because of the whole thing with the Vietnam war and, and everything like that, that, that he just, he, he took the words and he took the feeling, made it his own and added all his shit and made it a Jimmy song. And, and literally Bob Dylan was like, all right, take it. It's not me anymore. It's it's funny because one, I should have had that on my list because I definitely didn't know that at first either. And I have already forgotten, but also, uh, I never heard that story about like Bob Dylan saying that, but it's funny because like I, sorry for him, like I hate Bob Dylan so much. So I've never it, like it is still never really got into my mind that that was a Bob Dylan song. Like so, it's kind of cool to hear him say that he kind of almost basically just gave it to Jimmy. And I, I want to get to you, Lee, but I feel like that story ties so well in with another one I have mm-hmm. that I kind of want to tie it. Well, I only and, have two now since you stole my true, answer. So. True. All right, so, so we'll skip you then. So, Damn it. So, so a second one that I had, and this was one of those ones where like, I did know the original song, but I don't know. I think for a while, just like something in my brain didn't process it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and because of the, the difference in it. And, and I did read a story about this in the same way was, Johnny Cash covering "Hurt" by the Nine Inch Nails oh, and Trent Reznor. Okay, because okay. it's like you—it's very unrecognizable. The, the difference it is. That I, was. Let me stop you real quick. That was one of the other ones on that thing that I watched. Okay, that that was like and he just completely took it exactly. Ah. So I, I was reading about Trent Reznor's like reaction the first time he heard it, and he says. Like, you know, at first, it was kind of like somebody was kissing my girlfriend. Like, it was weird and uncomfortable, and I didn't know. He's like, but I got a call, and they asked if he could do it, but I didn't know it was going to be recorded or anything. And he's like, it's basically one of, like, the greatest things of my life. He's like, it's more important than any, you know, uh, awards or recognition or anything that Johnny Cash covered one of my songs and did such an incredible job with it. And, like, man, that, like... Like nine, is, like the the original is so good. Yeah. But Johnny Cash takes that song to a, a, a 
deep dark place and that's what's so amazing about it is because like that's nine inch nails kind of thing and to and you wouldn't really think that johnny cash would come in and and kind of like step over them and take it further down Mm. that path and he does and it's and it's so crazy to me that like when i when i first like when i first heard johnny cash do it my brain was kind of like wow like this is a really cool johnny cash song and i'm like like so it's not that i didn't know the nine inch nails version i just didn't couldn't really process it they said for the time in johnny cash's life it was a perfect timing for him to do that song because he was almost at the end of his life and that's why he was able to i think this he recorded seven months before he died i think (laughs) that's why he was able to take that emotion that it was one one of the last songs he did before he died it wasn't the last but it was one of the last Mm -hmm. songs that he recorded yep. before he died. But which it's is, that it's that gravelly, almost weathered quality in his voice mm-hmm. that it gives you a sense, a different sense, not so much of, of an emo vibe or that sort of dark industrial vibe that Trent evokes, but more so I've seen so much in my life. I've had a difficult life. I've, I've, I think of Clint Eastwood too, that sort of weathered cowboy kind of vibe when Johnny Cash sings that song. And it, again, it it falls into why I like cover songs that it gives you a new emotion and a new perspective on that artist or that song. And it helped for me. And, and to your point of that, like old worn down, like getting at the end. So th- I'm pretty sure they used this song. I don't remember if it was in the actual movie, but it was definitely at least in the promotional stuff um, for, uh, I, th- well, I think it was called Logan, which was the last Wolverine movie, okay. which is basically the end of Wolverine, you know, spoiler alert, but like, you, know, you should have seen it by now. But like, <laughs> you know, he like, um, who, uh, Hugh Jackman, you know, he's been doing that character for uh, like 18 years or something like that. I think I think the first X-Men, you know, reimagined movie was like 2000 or so. And I think Logan was 17 or 18, maybe. And like you, you've seen all this coming. He's been doing it for so long. And like when I first remember seeing like, you know, clips of that movie with that song, like I was like, oh, man, like without even having seen the movie yet, like it just invoked such a strong sense of emotion. It was this perfect pairing. And I think that was almost, you know, the same way that it, you kind of get from thinking of Johnny Cash doing it. And, and they said in, in the thing that I had read that, you know, at that point he was in a lot of pain. He was very sick. So like, mm. yep. you, like, like you said, like you hear that in him. Like yeah. it, it's crazy to think about that translating to the tone and, and timbre of his voice, but it's really there. And it, it leads me back to the, like my favorite book that I've ever read was this book called torture the artist. And long story short, the idea is that the best art, any kind of thing, music, draws whatever you want is created by people that are going through something It's created by pain and and hurt and so this company that is like you know basically trying to create content and more so create people that create content and like create prodigies you know they find these child prodigies and they have these people that they employ that are meant to be like kind of their agent but behind their back they're manipulating their entire life to cause them pain and anguish and force them to use that to be creative and be great and like that has stuck with, I've read that book a very long time ago and it's always stuck with me. Like this beauty in, you know, tragedy and pain transveying into beautiful art, whether that's music or whatever. And this is like such a great example of that. I agree. Wow. So my, I have 
since one of my answers was taken, <laughs> I have one that I, I don't think I can be faulted on for not knowing that it wasn't a cover or not knowing that it was a cover and one that I'm, I'm rather embarrassed about. The one that I am not faulted on, I think, is Tainted Love by Gloria Jones, recorded in 1965, but most made most popular by Soft Cell. And I thought Soft Cell did this song for the longest. And I remember exactly where I was. I was in, I don't know, I I was in my car going over a bridge. And I remember I was going over this bridge and I heard the Gloria Jones version of Tainted Love. And her version is so upbeat and very much in that typical 1960s Motown style. And then I'm thinking back to Soft Cell and how they sort of made it like a new wave kind of depressing, you know, mid-tempo pop song. And I really thought that soft, it blew my mind. That I didn't was know the that's first, right now. That was the first time that I had ever realized that that was a cover song and that I didn't know that it was a cover song. Even now, that, there are two songs in there that they cover. Because they take a Supreme song and put it at the end over top of their cover of Tainted Love. Now, was that a cover? Was that part of cover? Was it a sample? No, they they sang it. It wasn't a sample. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. They go, baby, baby. Yeah. Where did our love go? Yeah. That's right. That's, that's, that's right. Supreme. I totally forgot That's about not even that. Gloria Jones. That's Supreme. So they took two songs and put, a, put it in in... You know, and, and made a medley of it. That's right. That song has always stuck with me because in the 90s when, you know, I used to fall asleep with the TV on and we only had like a couple cable channels, in the middle of the night would just be infomercials and there were always those like <laughs> 80s pop That's it. CDs yes. you could order on the phone and they would always just play uh, Sweet Dreams and that song blah. and I forget what else. And those would give me nightmares because all those songs were so creepy, man. Right? When all that, kid, new, all wave that new wave shit, stuff man. creeps you oh the hell out. God, new wave. So, yeah, also... I, didn't, I didn't know that was a cover. I, I figured that was an original song. Yeah. And it's funny because I was try- I, I was just trying to look up uh, some, something along that lines, and now I just came across, unfortunately, a- another one that I didn't even know that I didn't write <laughs> down. I don't know how this is what I looked up, trying to look up something with that, but I didn't know that uh, Orgy's Blue Monday was a cover. What? Yes. Oh, wait. Who did it the first time? Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Blue Money. Shit. Was it The Cure? No. Because I feel like it would be The Cure or Flock of Seagulls or some. Ah, damn it. I don't know. But that's a great cover. I do love their cover, Blue Monday. And I had a huge crush on the lead singer because I remember... At the time, like everyone was about these cordless microphones and he sort of came back to the corded microphone and he like wrapped it around his body in this really sexy way. And it was very- Real horny hours. Oh my gosh. Yes. It was very Can I wrap this cord around myself? And wrap it around around my neck right now. The band was called New Order, by the way. New New Order. Order. Yes, yes. But yes, I remember really liking that music video because it was sort of like industrial yep. and edgy, and that's kind of where I was in those early college order, days. Or are you talking about the orgy one? The orgy, the orgy okay. version. Right. Well, because they were makeup, yeah. but they it was like late 90s, early 2000s frosted makeup. Yeah. Yeah. It was- 1998. It, yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, my sophomore year in college, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I might've still been wearing Jinkos. I don't know. Oh, hell Yeah. So my second one, um, actually, I have two 
by this band, but I'm only going to mention one because I think the other one um, was too close to my first one. But I did not know in 1993 when this came out that Live and Let Die was a cover. Wait, what? I, I thought Guns N' Roses did that. And it was an original song. Oh, shit. Um, when did you find out that it was a cover? A couple years later. Oh. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, when Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 came out, I, I saw that tour. Before the internets and the Googles. Yeah. So, like, I didn't I didn't listen to Paul McCartney and Wings. I was a huge and still am a huge Beatles fan. But I never listened to anything that the two, you know, all of these guys did when they left. Um, you didn't I listen su- to the Plastic Ono bands? No. <laughs> no. Um, Imagine was probably one of the only ones that mm-hmm. I listened to that wasn't the Beatles mm-hmm. because that's John Lennon. Yeah. Um, Paul McCartney, the only one that I knew at that time was, you know, was was Paul McCartney was have having wonderful Christmas time. Um, <laughs> George Harrison. I knew. That song all yeah. The time. <laughs> George Harrison. I knew from um, uh, the, the, which I didn't even know was a cover either. What? Um, his, uh, his big hit in the eighties. Oh, um, I got my mind yes. set on yes. you. Which I, I didn't know that was a cover either. So that's the only that's the only George Harrison song I remember song the video was in black and white, and I think there was like a claw machine. I don't know. Or he was trying to like get a dancer out of a claw machine. I, I could be know. wrong. But anyway. Live and Let Die, I did not know was a cover. And that was a fantastic cover. I, you know, yes. oh, Guns N' Roses did a great job. I'd like to see them do that live with an orchestra. I didn't see them live do it with an orchestra, but I saw them oh. live do it. Well, excuse me. <laughs> my uh, my last one, and I'm really not proud of this one, but I feel like most people my age didn't know this when it came out, was the Atari's Boys of Summer. Oh, Henley. Don Henley's, yeah. Like, no one talked about that being a cover. Well, and I like how they changed um, a Deadhead sticker on a Cadillac to a Black Flag sticker yeah, on a Cadillac. that was cool. I like that a, cool a lot. Yep. Um, but no, that that song originally came out in the '80s when I was growing up. So that's the only reason why I knew. Yeah, yeah. we only knew it because because we probably grew up with it. It was a huge hit. But I f- I feel yeah. like anybody my age except like Corey mm. n- did not know that was a <laughs> shout out. For the shout out Corey Oates. <laughs> He's going to listen to that. He's probably going to text me a bunch of stuff. Like, Fuck you, I'm like, man. damn it, you guys are assholes. How come you didn't invite me, man? I, I, like, I know everything. Oh, it's Thursday, dude. He's got his radio uh, show. That's right. He's got his radio or, show. Or I definitely He's playing all this shit we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Make sure you check out the uh, the music specialist and, and the uh, oldies, whatever his fucking show is. Bob, we, yeah. He's, we, he's, may, we, we, may, we may like rag on Corey a little bit, but he is a, a decent, decent, decent human being. He, he, he. Gain a lot of respect with me when I knew that he knew a lot of the music that I did. Yeah. Um, and I was like, wait. He's an encyclopedia, man. He's crazy. Yeah. Wrestling and, and oldies music. Yeah. You don't, you don't expect a kid in, in high school at the time to know a lot about obscure Motown and yeah. and and those kind of artists. His dad, man. His dad was the man. Yeah. All right, Lee, the last one you didn't know. Uh, so my last one is from a movie that came out in 1996 featuring a very young Reese Witherspoon and a very young Mark Wahlberg called Fear. And there was a particular scene where they're on a roller coaster having this intimate moment um, and Wild Horses is playing, but it's the Sundays. And I did not know that that was the Rolling Stones. And yeah, you can, yeah, I see your face. My husband's giving me a face. You can give me that face. But let me tell you, my parents were not big Stones fans. And 
I was not a big Stones fan. I'm quite honestly still not a huge Stones fan. I just haven't gotten into them. It's whatever. Judge me if you want. Don't at me. Whatever. I'm not a huge Stones fan. But I really thought that Wild Horses was done by the Sundays and not the Rolling Stones. So that is one that I am embarrassed about. But I also still absolutely love the Sundays version. So I I mentioned that I had two by Guns N' Roses. And I am going to talk about the third one. Um, But they're knocking on Heaven's Door. Oh. You didn't know that. One. I did not know that that was wow. Bob Dylan Even I when it came out. One. Yeah, I, I knew did that's not from know. Celebrity Deathmatch. That's why. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because all of these, or I should say, these two Bob Dylan songs, I know the covers, and then when I go back to listen to the original, I'm like, just like you said, like I, I can't get into him, but I respect him because he's a great songwriter. Yes, I just can't deal with his voice. Yeah, me. That's that's it sounds like one of those little whistles that you yeah. had that had the fan inside and when you like that's that's what Bob Dylan sounds like to me. And and I I like that. I like the Guns N' Roses version Absolutely. better. Um just as, you know, uh, obviously along the watchtower and and the and the other one, Live and Let Die. I mean it's uh and, and, and there are more, but but I just I wanted to limit to three and those were those were huge Huge for me when I was mm. like, whoa, I found this out, you know? It right. sort of changes your perspective on how much music is out there and how much you don't know oh, about for sure. what's yeah. out there. I don't know anything about it, which is criminal for how much I play and how much I've listened to. Well, even just, I mean, I, I hope we do another podcast in terms of samples because um, our, our best friend, Barry, who um, he's created this playlist for Don called make Don's eyebrows touch because if you see my husband when he gets angry like his eyebrows sort of furrow and it seems like they touch and he's made this playlist of songs mostly rap songs that have used samples from things like Steely Dan or the Beatles or Led Zeppelin or Stevie Wonder and it just drives him absolutely nuts that these samples are being used in these rap songs so get and Barry on yeah, yeah. So we'll have to get we'll have to get Barry on the next. We'll have to get him on that guests. that one. But what drives um, me nuts about it? And he's a beer no, guy. No, no, you and he's a beer guy, that. so he can he can contribute to both. Now. All right, all right. I'll save it, so you're gonna have to listen. Yeah, we'll <laughs> save it. So what do we want to talk about next? So the next topic I have is: Are there any covers that have led you to discovering an artist and then liking them? And that can yes. be whether you found the cover because you liked. That song, and then you discovered the artist who did it and liked them. Or if an artist you like covered something, and then you realize you liked the original band. Mm. So I, I feel like this is going to hit both of you pretty hard. And I already knew of the band, but I only really knew one song, and I didn't really like that song. So I didn't think I liked the band. And then my favorite singer, Dustin Kentrew of Thrice, mm-hmm. I saw him at, man, what was that place in Philly called? The North Star Bar. Yeah. Yeah. I saw him there when he was doing a solo tour of his acoustic stuff and he covered Round Here by the Counting Crows. Nice. And great song. Round okay. Here is one of my favorite songs it's of a great all song. time now. I had never heard it. The only song I knew by Counting Crows was the Big Yellow Taxi song or whatever. The Joni Mitchell cover. Yeah. And and Really? 
and I didn't like that song that well, much. Well, because it's not that great. Right. So that was all I really knew because that was on the radio. So I heard this and I was like, this song is beautiful. Mm. Who is it? Find us the Counting Crows. Go actually listen to the Counting Crows version. Beautiful. August, Every, August and Everything After, yep. that listen, album. Listen it's, to that whole album. Amazing masterpiece. It's great. And, and discover that I really, really like the Counting Crows. Nice. But I still think in my heart of hearts that Dustin Kenshu's version is a little bit better, but I'm obviously biased. He's my favorite singer, but... I mean, they're both incredible, but yeah, I, I didn't, and that's the thing. I didn't discover Counting Crows from that, but mm-hmm. I would have never given them the chance if I didn't hear him cover that song and found it so beautiful and then heard their version, loved it, discover that album, love it, yeah. and the rest so is history. We, so we were listening to the Dave Matthews channel a few months ago. On Sirius. On, on, on Sirius Radio. And, you know, these channels, not only do they play you know, the, the artists that they're named after, but they play stuff that maybe has been influenced by that band or that influenced that band. So we heard a cover of Tears for Fears, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Mm-hmm. And it was by a band called Lettuce. And like the vegetable. I, like it came on and I, and I was like, this sounds familiar. And then they started singing, and I was like, wait, <laughs> this is familiar. This is a cover. So then we're listening, and we're listening, and, and I'm like, holy shit, Like this, this band is freaking awesome. So then I, I, I remember like I came home, and I looked up their album that had this song on it, uh, and I bought the album, and I now I have every single one of their albums, and they're amazing, mm-hmm. and I love them, and I would have never, ever have even thought about them if I didn't hear this cover on a Dave Matthews channel, which I, I really personally don't like, honestly, <laughs> uh, she, she listens to it all the time and that's fine. And, and, and I, I, I can do it once in the car, but, um, to me, Dave Matthews is not a, is not a good, it is, is a better studio band than they are a live band. So they play a lot of live stuff of Dave Matthews on that channel. So that's why I don't like it as much, but, if she weren't in the car, I wouldn't have been listening to that channel and I wouldn't have found lettuce. So I thank was, you. Dave Cause Matthews. I was driving and the driver yeah. makes the, thank rules. you Dave Matthews channel. <laughs> yes. So we're talking about covers about like bands that we wouldn't have ordinarily listened to. And you, Dan had sent me, uh, we exchanged playlists of cover songs that we had made. And you gave me a cover of Silverstein doing Smashing Pumpkins Disarm. And I told you, I was listening. I'm like, all right, I'm going to listen to this album while I'm mowing the lawn because it takes me about an hour or so. It'll, it'll get me through a bunch of songs. And I knew most of the bands were very high tempo. So I'm like, okay, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get me through this, this stupid lawn mowing. And I listened to Disarm and it almost stopped me in my tracks. Like I stopped the mower I wa- went into my phone, added it into my playlist, and I'm thinking, okay, the next time I talk to Dan, I've got to start listening to Silverstein because his voice was so clear and so pure and gave such a different interpretation of the song. I was so happy to be listening to that because, I mean, Billy Corgan is an amazing songwriter. There's no disputing that. He wrote a ton of stuff for Holt. Who knows who else he's written for? 
but besides Smashing Pumpkins, but he his voice has a certain timbre that is not necessarily palatable to everyone. Well, and that's a slight too. exaggeration, no, but that he's way. got a very nasally timbre to his voice. Because I played you, uh, Taking Back Sunday does a cover of, I think, Bullet with Butterfly Wings, maybe? Sure. And I played that for you because I yeah. was like, Adam Lazar is an incredible vocalist in the studio. He's not very good live, but very good in the studio. And I found that to be much more palatable. And I think you said the same thing when I played it, even though you probably wouldn't like Taking Back Sunday. Mm. Well, and the the Silverstein version, the reason why I liked it so much is, is sort of twofold. Number one, if you know the Smashing Pumpkins version of Disarm, it tends to be very more, very much orchestral in its makeup there's a lot of timpani in there you're not going to find a traditional drum set and you're going to find chimes Mm -hmm. which if you look up chimes for those who are not you know musically acute or whatnot if you look up chimes um it's what you're going to find that like a church bell would sound like tubular bells is their is their official name okay tubular bells thank you to the to the percussionist And I like that Silverstein used those tubular bells in this version to pay homage to the original, but I like how it starts out very sparse, very bare, and then gradually it opens up into the despair of this song of I used to be a little boy so old in my shoes and what I choose is my choice, what's a boy supposed to do? And it just... it so very masterfully illustrates the despair of this song and the pain that Billy Corgan was really emoting through this track. And I think that Silverstein does an absolutely incredible job. And then today, when Dan and his lovely wife, Nancy, came over and we're talking about, you know, what we want to do for this podcast, I said, Dan, I'm like, I want to start listening to Silverstein. I love this interpretation. What album should I be starting with? So that's the journey that I'm going to be going on next. The interesting thing with Silverstein, too, that I love is they're still around after, I believe this is their... 20th year that's great uh that's so Shane their vocalist has been the vocalist the whole time he's basically the only singer they don't really do that much harmony and he sings and screams and his voice has held up for 20 years and I don't understand how he sounds exactly the same when so many people I know you guys aren't big into the screaming stuff but so many vocalists that do that burn out after just a few years and he's gone 20 years nonstop. they've never taken a break so many albums so many tours, and he still sounds as good. He sounds better than he did when they started. I don't. When did get they it. do Disarm? Was uh, that within, recently? Yeah, within the last two, three years. His voice is beautiful, and, and yes. he, they don't even scream in that one. No, well, and I'd be I also sent you. He, uh, they do, he does uh, Runaway by Kanye West, and it's one of oh. my favorite covers of all time because, like, Kanye is one of those people that amazing songwriter. But do mm. I necessarily love the way that he does things since like his first two albums? No, not really. And yeah. that album that Runaway was on has like, a bunch eh. of songs that I want to like, but I kind of hate. So then hearing them do one of them and make it in a style that I appreciate more made me realize, like, the songs are good. His interpretation and arrangement of them isn't really for me, maybe. Mm-hmm. But if an artist I like 
does those songs, they can be incredible songs. And the Silverstein uh, Runaway is really, really good too. Well, that disarm is a lot better than the original. So. I th- that's, I was going to say, if we want to get into covers that are better than the original. I don't want to do that yet. Okay. I, I have other, I don't know if you guys have other artists, but I have uh, two more. So yeah. I can finish mine up if you don't have yes. anybody else. So this is the inverse. So Dustin Kentry covering Counting Crows helped me find Counting Crows. Mm-hmm. This band called Oceans 8 Alaska, who's a newer, like, kind of metalcore kind of band, okay. covered Shape of My Heart by Sting. Okay. And I never heard of them. I know Sting, and I knew that song. I love the cover, so I checked out the band, and I ended up enjoying their album. So that was kind of the inverse effect. And then this is kind of an in-betweener. Uh, so this band Life on Repeat covered Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. Nah. Now... I like Miley Cyrus. I, I, I actually enjoy her, but you, you'll find that I actually, there's a couple covers of her songs that I really like. And because she's like a pop artist, it's just not really my thing. So I respect her. I think she's talented. I think some of the songs she does are very good, but I prefer when they're performed by artists I like in styles that I like. This just happened to be the first time I ever heard from these guys. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, I guess if somebody would have played me a song of theirs, I would have just ended up liking it. But that's how they were introduced to me. The cover was awesome. And then I checked them out and liked them. So that was all my experiences with covered helping me find people that I could remember. Well, and that's great because, I mean, then it, it just sort of broadens your musical repertoire yep. in general. I, yeah, absolutely. And that, that's kind of been like a coming of age thing with me. It's like I grew up in an era, you know, I've mentioned TRL a few times. In my, like, kind of peak formative music years, there was a stigma where, like, all, all, us, all us dudes mm. had to listen to Corn and Limp Bizkit, and we hated NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears. So I was kind of raised on this, like, you like rock and you hate pop and rap because they're, like, kind of anti what we're doing. And then as I got older, I started to just appreciate everything and I started to like pop artists and like rap and R&B artists and go back and discover all these things that I didn't just because of these genre norms and and, and uh, quips that I was kind of just, you know, raised via television and mainly just MTV and Beavis and Butthead and stuff, you know, yeah. things like that. Like Beavis and Butthead were just like, okay, listen to Metallica and anything softer than that is stupid. Uh, yeah. So then you kind of realize that, you know, that's not necessarily the case all the time. <laughs> well, and, and we were, I mean, I can't speak for Don because I, he and I went to different high schools, but I was kind of on the fringes. I was a big giant band geek and a big giant theater nerd. So in between listening to Broadway soundtracks, I was listening to Tori Amos. I was listening to Fiona Apple, but I was also listening to a ton of Stone Temple Pilots and Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and Radiohead. And that was all the alternative that came out of my generation. But also, uh, again, going back to my best friend, Barry, when we get into the the samples, I want to get him on on this podcast. He helped introduce me to Snoop Dogg's Doggy Style album. And if you are my age and you don't know the Doggy Style album front to back, I don't think that we can be friends <laughs> because I and I have it on vinyl. It's great on vinyl, but I had it on a cassette tape too. And it's great on a cassette tape in a little Sony bright yellow and gray Walkman. Anybody who's my age, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I was in the back of my parents' uh, 
Plymouth Voyager minivan listening to Snoop Dogg's Doggy Style on the way to my grandparents' house or wherever else we were going. And you couldn't tell me that that wasn't great music. And it still is to this day. Bottom line. All right. So uh, you wanted to move on the covers we like more than the original. So do, mm. you, want, do you want to start with yours then? Mm. Okay. So I have three. And one is Disarmed by Silverstein. Um, I'm, I mean, it's a new one. But as soon as I heard it, I'm like, I like this better than the original. Uh, and and for the reasons that I have explained previously, another one is Disturbed's Land of Confusion, which, again, going back to my BFF, Barry, he went, the first time I played that for him, or, or he had said something, to, I, I, I don't, actually, I don't even know how the conversation evolved. And I said, man, this is such a great cover. And he turned to me and he was like, wait, what? I said, you didn't know. Yeah, (laughs) this is a cover song. And he goes, wait, who did it the first time? And I said, Genesis, like Phil Collins, Genesis. And when you listen to the Genesis original, and even in the, in the music video, it's sort of, you know, it's got the typical eighties pop vibe and it was good. But I love the version that Disturbed does. I, I just love the way that they did it. I feel I, like that's I, like a uni- like I I don't know if I've seen anybody who has heard that cover not think it's better than the original. Mm. Whether you like that kind of music, whether you like Disturbed or not, like I'm not the world's biggest Disturbed fan, but like and neither that am cover I. Just hits. yeah, and and I mean, and I love it because it's 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 very much in their style. Now we can get into sounds of silence as well, because I do love their cover of Simon and Garfunkel's sounds of silence because it's so diametrically opposed to what disturbed usually does, but we'll stick with, uh, we'll stick with land of confusion. I just can't I buy just, his voice on it. It's so weird. It doesn't sound like him, but that's why I like it. That's why I like it though. I like it fake. because it, it shows that he's got a gentler, softer, uh, not even classical because it's not, yeah, but it's just, one of those things where if you just softer that for me side and said this is a cover of this, I'd be like, "Wow, great voice, good job." Sure. Once you tell me it's disturbed, it's like, uh, I don't know, and, yeah. and that, like I can't escape that stigma. That's sure. How it is. Like I grew up listening to them. Like, well, the and first like two albums, so I have this vision of them and what they are and what they do, and it's kind of hard to imagine that guy's the same guy who went, "Ooh." Wah! Yeah, exactly. And he throws that into Land of Confusion. <laughs> and I appreciate that. I really do. Like that song kicks you in the teeth. And yeah. that's what it's supposed to do. And it, it's just, it's a great cover. I love it. What are your other ones? Um, my, my other one is Boys to Men's cover of New Edition's Can You Stand the Rain? And I love it because it's, first of all, I love Boys to Men. Uh, anybody from Philly, if you don't love Boys to Men, then you're a terrible human being. But Boys to Men is fantastic, and their cover of Can You Stand the Rain is so beautiful in its simplicity and its complexity because it's it's very simple in the melodic lines that you find, but in the harmonic backgrounds in in some of the things that they do in that song, it's just, it's, 
it's it's one of, it it goes back to what I said about with committed how they were in the studio and they were doing pretty wings and it just sort of evolved organically and I have a feeling that a song like this evolved the same way but it's just that interconnectedness between the band members that allowed them to be able to create this song and I just think it's it's so gentle it's so beautiful and I, I just absolutely love it. And if we're, if if you get a chance, take a look at um, it's it's a it's he's a comedian. His he goes by Kev on stage, and he talks about um, '90s R and B artists, both male and female. And he talks about the master of the Nehu, right? And you find all of these artists in the in the '90s that use like that Nehu right? And boys to men were the masters of that. And they absolutely exemplified it in the song, Can You Stand the Rain? Because it starts with, right? And it just, it's, for me, it's just a great cover. I absolutely love it. I love it better than the new edition version. I'm a huge new edition fan. I will do the, if it isn't love dance, um, on command, if you ask me to. So I am a huge new edition fan, but for the Instagram, you're saying, for the gram, yes, for the gram, I'll do it. But for purposes of cover songs, I think Boys to Men did it better. So, Don, you, you kind of answered this. I don't know if those are your answers. If you have separate choices, you had mentioned All in the Watchtower and the Two Guns and Roses, I think. Yeah, but I, I, I have three others. Okay, cool. One that I absolutely love, um, Lee mentioned uh, STP. I was a huge Stone Temple Pilots fan. Are you going into um, Dancing Days? I'm going into Dancing Days because their their cover of Dancing Days, Led Zeppelin's Dancing Days, is I in in my opinion better than the original. Uh, I love what they did with it. I love how they took it down, uh, stripped it down, made it acoustic, all you know bongos and congas and um, and and Scott Wynn's voice on that is is just. So, so nice. Was that MTV Unplugged or was that a separate album? That was on, no, it was on their Purple album. Okay. It was on their second album, um, which I love. I miss MTV Unplugged. There's some gems. That was oh great. God, oh, yeah. So I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of Nirvana's Man Who Sold the World, but I appreciate that they did it in that Unplugged style. I, no, I liked it. I liked it. I, I like Bowie's version better. And I'm not a, I'm not a Nirvana fan. You know that. Um, I mean, I, I could appreciate what they did for the grunge genre, but I, I think as musicians, I always said Dave Grohl's a better guitar player and singer than he was, ever was a drummer. So they, sure. they were the um, first band to come out of Seattle, but they weren't the best band to come out of Seattle. So they got the, you know, the Godfathers of grunge label, but I don't believe that that was necessarily warranted, but that's a whole other conversation. We so, could have a grunge episode. I don't yeah. think STP did an unplugged. I, I could be wrong though. I don't, I don't remember seeing their. I don't I, remember see. I don't remember hearing about it. And and if they did, they didn't record it because it's no. not it's not a recording. So um so you have that one. Another one is the one that I mentioned before by Lettuce. In my opinion, much better than the Tears for Fears. Everybody wants to rule the world. And ooh, I had another one and I I just lost it because I got into this STP. So why don't you go, Dan, and I'll think about it. And, All right, and I'll, I'll kind of quick hit these. So the, the three that I came up with, I mean, I probably have a lot just because, like I mentioned, since I wasn't always a huge, especially like with pop music, like I generally will just like punk and hardcore artists doing pop songs. But 
the uh, the ones that really stuck out to me that I've listened to for a long time because these are all pretty old. Uh, this band called The Killing Moon, who I don't think I know anything else that they've done. I only know them from, I think this was the original. Uh, actually, I think this was Punko's 90s. Uh, they covered Alanis Morissette's You Ought to Know. Okay. And now, again, I mentioned that my mother, who didn't listen to much music, did listen to a lot of Alanis Morissette. And when she would bartend when I was a kid, I would go on her computer and play Free Cell and listen to whatever was in her Marlboro CD play, player Walkman. And often is Alanis Morissette. So I appreciate Alanis Morissette, which was very weird for somebody my age and being a male because it's just pissed off female. Oh, that Jagged Little Pill album was an anthem to 90s female right. uh, feminist manifesto. You get Sarah McLaughlin, but like Alanis was angry and we we totally, totally uh, fed into all of that. Absolutely. I'm a and, huge and that, proponent of that. And album. I think that like kind of that resonated with me because one of the first bands that I really got into was like Green Day. So Alanis Morissette mm. was like weirdly to me, just like a female version of Green Day. Like it was, it was very much sure. in the same vein at that sure, time. So that I, I right. didn't mind it, even though I, I think that would like, if I went to school, I was like, yeah, I really like Alanis Morissette. I've been like, what the hell? But it's fine. So I, I didn't mind it. The Killing Moon does a, a very upbeat punk cover with horns. And anytime you implement horns tastefully, I generally am going to be a fan of it. So really big fan of that. And this big, nasty horn breakdown in the nice. bridge. So was a big fan of that one. And and the the vocalist of that band did a really great job of singing. I Like, not mocking her, mm-hmm. but, you know, nodding to the way that she sang and really has this pissed off, angsty sound to him that, that I think was really good. Now, do you know who the song was written about, the original song? No, I don't think so. Ooh. Keep keep going on. No, don't say it. Don't say it. Well, tell me. You're keep, gonna bring well, it up. Go go. Keep talking about what you were gonna talk about. No, I was gonna move to the next song. So ah, I do do that and come back to this. Dave Coulier, who really? played Uncle Joey on, on Full, Full House. House. Yes, what? the song was written Cut about him. Out. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, I did yes. not know that. Yes, absolutely. Wow, that's weird. Two Canadians. Oh, that's so weird. Right. I don't, that might ruin the song for me. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> Shattered your world. I wonder if Corey knew that. <laughs> Probably doesn't even know when it's more sad. Cause she <laughs> cause she, yeah, because she didn't come out in 1960. <laughs> All right, my second one, which is probably going to piss both of you off because mm. I'm, I'm going to explain that it's thrice covering Eleanor Rigby of the Beatles. You know what? I don't hate that cover. I don't like the Beatles. I haven't heard ah. it. I don't like the Beatles. I can't do it. Okay. I don't. I don't know. I. It's. It's. I appreciate them. I know they're talented. Respect everything they did. I can't listen to them. I just. I can't don't do agree it. with that opinion, but right. I do agree with the fact that that is a good cover. Yeah, it is. It is a good cover, babe. I'll play it for you. Yeah, we, it's a good and, cover. And my last one, which I like the original, but again, just speaking the you know making it into a cell, I like more. And I could not have told you who the band that did the original was. I had to Google it so mm-hmm. that I had it for this. You found Glory's Kiss Me. Oh, Sixpence None the Richer. Yeah. Well, Sixpence None the Richer. What name is that? It, yeah. It's a one off band. They had that one That's song, and that was it. But, and I know that because I grew up in the 90s and we heard the original. And so, yeah, I know that it was Sixpence None the Richer. In yeah. fact, Dan, later, I may be able to find a recording somewhere either on my Facebook or on my photos of Don singing that song in the car. 
<laughs> yes. I think I have it. I think yeah. I just need to find it. You have it. So we mentioned yes. Newfound Glory being a band. They have three different cover albums. They're yes. all they're all songs from movies. Correct. So, you know, they're not just covering whatever. It's from the, from the screen to your stereo, volumes one, two, and three, mm-hmm. which, again, I love a band that leans into a gimmick. They're not just, hey, we're going to do whatever covers we want. They're, they keep it the movie things. What was really cool about their newest one from the screen to your stereo three is they recorded a music video for every single song in, like, the style of the movie. So it's it very fun because there's a cool way to kind of, you know, modernize it with the fact that people, you know, are just downloading music. No one buys music anymore. You know, they kind of paired these covers with videos, which is fun. It's a nice thing you can do when you've been around as long as them and had the success and the money they have, but mm-hmm. also very fun and just adds to the the making it your own. Not only did they just cover these movie songs and do a great job, but then making all the videos for it. But Kiss Me was one where you knew the song, like, liked the song but then hearing them do it just was like okay like and it's a perfect pop punk song sure so oh it, absolutely it, 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 it translates absolutely very sense. well so uh was a big fan of that one did you yeah. did you figure out your third one i did okay cool um so my third one is actually uh a jamie cullum cover um and he did do you want to explain who jamie cullum is because he's not that widely known jamie cullum is a british uh jazz slash r&b pop artist um piano player primarily amazing came out uh his first album was called pointless nostalgic and it came out probably early early 2000s if yeah not it was the early 2000s because i saw him on tour at world cafe live and i took my best friend brenna with me because you were at a gig and i met him backstage and i said this is my best friend brenna my husband was supposed to come with me but he's a jazz drummer and he's on a gig and he said tell your husband to not stop playing and since then i've been able to meet him a few other times and interview him once when I was writing uh, arts and entertainment for a now defunct website, but he's an absolutely phenomenal musician. I've interrupted my husband too long. So continue. So um, on his fourth album, he did a cover of Rihanna's don't stop the music. And Mm. it is awesome. It's great. It's so much better. I mean, I'm, I'm not a Rihanna fan, uh, but so that made it easy for this to be better than the original for me, but um, the way he did it, and I'll have to play, I'll have to play it for you. Absolutely, um, yeah. we're wearing some work to do after this. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really good cover. So, well, and one of the things that Jamie Cullum did was he created something called the Song Society, and it started on YouTube, but is now on a bunch of platforms, and you can get it on Apple Music, on Spotify. I don't know about Tidal because I don't know anything about Tidal. He's got it on YouTube. It's it's yeah. It's it started on, his, yeah. on YouTube. And he basically, he and a bunch of musicians get into his studio, his home studio. They pick a song that somebody really likes. They learn it within the time frame of an hour and then they film it and record it in that hour and you and take the live, mistakes live with yeah, the mistakes, live with the mistakes. <laughs> so he's done a lot of things from i took a pill in ibiza to uh zane's pillow talk to justin bieber what do you mean justin bieber what do you mean killer um, cover too. uptown funk uh-huh. he's done all i want for christmas is you <laughs> he's done a bunch of different things but it's interesting it's sort of like He's taken this cover art project and turned it into sort of a, a, a quick project because the fact that it's only done in an hour. 
Well, one of the things that he said about doing covers, and this is probably going to a good segue into your next point, but um, he said for him, every time he learns a cover, it helps him learn how to write a better song because you're you're learning how these people wrote these songs that are already perfect because they became hits. So you're understanding where they came from and how, how they use certain chord progressions and it helps him write a song. Well, and especially for like, I mean, any musician, especially when you talk about like the main kind of like radio band instruments, guitar, bass, drums, things like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of the ways you're learning that is just learning to play songs when you're younger. Like a lot of my influence comes from the stuff that I first started learning to play Yeah, from green day to like, system of a down mm-hmm. to whatever I listen to now, like you hear all those things in, in how you play. So that all makes perfect sense. Mm. And it's funny because you, you learned those songs and so did I, and we ended up taking different paths mm-hmm. in what we like because, you know, I just, I latched onto something different once I got to high school. And I mean, I, I remember being in a band, you know, when I was in, when I was in uh, the wigs, middle school. Right? Well, no. Yeah. Yeah. Wigs, wigs, um, wigs. We but were the cynicals. We were we, we were Heather. We 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 had all the kinds of names. But you know, we used to we used to play stuff like Led Zeppelin and Metallica, and and then when the grunge hit, you know, we used to play Nirvana and we played um, uh, Green Day and stuff like that. So, but it all still also comes full circle because it's funny because you know, like I was playing in original bands for over ten years, and it it all kind of cycles between you know what stage you're at because when I was doing like kids these days, when I first started, all we were doing is listening to music like that for the most part. So Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff I was doing sounds exactly like that. But when I listened to the last album we recorded, which I had gone in, I believe after like my first year working with you at gateway. So again, now I'm back reintroduced to listening to, you know, arrangements of marching man stuff with you hearing you play stuff, which is usually jazz type stuff listening to music with you, I hear all these different things that I wrote on that last thing that I wouldn't have written two years before that. So it's not, you know, these things always evolve too, which is so, what is so much fun about it? Yeah. Mm. We've been going pretty long. So I, I still have a lot I want to hit. So I mm. kind of want to hit these as more of quick hits. Okay. So try and keep it to the point. The next thing I have is, so th- I mean, I don't. I mean, you and Lee might be able to go back and forth with stuff, but me and Lee each made playlists and sent them to each other. Yes. So, my topic here was to to pick a couple of songs off the others' playlist that you didn't know, but were a very big fan of. So, Lee, the list you sent me, I I have five, and four of them I'd never heard, and one I'm like it's not in my library. I know I've heard it before, but I don't know. It's just like I guess I forgot that it existed, and even listening to it today, I was like. Man, like this is really good. Like needs to get in my library, and you'd think I would have already known. But so I'll start at the top. Uh, is, is this Kygo and Whitney Houston? Higher yes, love. Yes, that's that's super recent too. Yeah, I that's think super la- recent. I think yeah, I don't know how yeah. she recorded it after she died, but she totally did. <laughs> she totally didn't, but I'm sure it was some in some sort of thought, Steve I, Winwood. I thought archive. I read something that she or, actually- was it Steve Winwood or Bruce Hornby in the range. It was. It was Steve Winwood. Steve Winwood. Steve Winwood. I okay. thought I thought I read. I, I didn't read specifically, but I, I when I was looking up uh, that it was a Steve Winwood song, 
I saw that I believe Whitney Houston covered it in like 1990. So okay, I don't know if sense. Kygo used that and they yes. kind of like remixed and mastered it. I'm sure he did. Uh, who I don't is Kygo a guy or a girl? I don't even. Know. I don't know. Oh, okay, I just yeah. know he's a well, popular. Okay. The, they are a okay, popular. Well, whatever. DJ. So yeah, I'd imagine it was some kind of you know ma- uh, mashup of like her 1990 cover mm-hmm. and and remastering and stuff. But I, I was a big fan of that. The next one is another one. A, a lot of the stuff weirdly ties to movies with me for some reason is Sydney Gish, Somebody's Baby. Right. Which was Jackson Brown because of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, mm-hmm. which is the reason I love that song in the first place. This cover Every time I hear good. it, yep. man, that's Every all time. I think it's, about. It's all I can think <laughs> Such about. a great movie. Um, I talked to you about this before we were recording Chris Cornell doing Billie Jean by yes. Michael Jackson. When I saw that on your playlist, it immediately stood out to me and I said, there is no way this is going to be good. And it was very, very good. Mm. I, 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 I I always liked Chris Cornell and knew he had a great voice, but this didn't feel like it was something that was going to work out, in my opinion. And he absolutely nailed it. I was yes. very impressed with this one. Ben Folds, Bitches Ain't Shit. This was <laughs> awesome. We talked about it. I had no idea. It, it was, uh, shit, who'd you say it was? I already William forgot. Shatner. William Shatner. I was about to say David Hasselhoff, and I knew it wasn't right. I thought it was Burt Baccarat. You told me yeah. it was William Shatner, which both kind of makes sense to me. This was very interesting. And well, and funny thing about that one is that Ben Fold last week had put out a statement on his Instagram saying that he was getting that song taken off of as many media platforms as he could because both he and William Shatner say the N-word in the song, which, I mean, was used in the song when Dr. Dre originally recorded it, but... Taking a look at it now in 2020, you sort of see it in a little bit of a different light. Yeah. But yes, he did do a very good interpretation and, of and that And before song. I even heard them say that, because of everything that's been going on, which we've talked about on the network a bunch, I don't want to go down that road. But I did have these these feelings of, man, is this kind of like cultural appropriation a little bit? Yeah. But like leaving that out of it, I thought like... It, you, you can definitely make that point, but I still thought that it was tasteful, and I definitely, like, knowing what, I, I don't know, Ben Folds near to the degree you two do, but knowing what I do of him, like, I definitely know that this was done in a very, like, loving and tasteful manner, and he yes. meant nothing but to pay homage and respect, and that this wasn't meant to be a bit, this wasn't done as a parody or anything. No, so, like, not at all. So I was able to write that off, but that's also easy for me to say as a white male driving in my car. For whatever. sure. I so. mean, I, I and, and I've had minimal exposure to Ben as a human being, but I mean, I, I did have the opportunity to, again, I was able to interview him. He was able to interview me, actually. He did a show at the Borgata a few years ago, and... He did a an a ask me anything sort of like a Reddit style Q and A, yeah. And he had had music teachers or musicians that were interviewing him, and that he was interviewing and to have this conversation. And I reached out to his publicist and said, "Hey, I'd be interested in doing this." And she said, "Cool, we're you're, you're going to be it." So I was able to meet him and talk to him. Somebody uh, that I went to actually grade school all the way through high school with his name is CJ Camerary. He's a two-time Grammy winner, amazing trumpeter, is coming out with a solo album, had played with him through a group called Why Music that had formed at Juilliard and they had recorded an album with Ben Folds and I had sort of gotten an in through that, through knowing CJ and in talking with him and having read his autobiography called, um, I think it was called a dream about fireflies and it was uh cheap lessons on music and basically 
his life and times and the things that he's learned in his career, I could say categorically having spoken to him myself and having read this book and knowing his catalog as deeply as I do, that this was not done in a place of mockery or uh, minstreldom or uh, it, it done satirically at all. Right. It was it was truly done to put sort of this suburban white male spin on a gangster rap song. Right. Yeah. And the last one I had that you're both probably going to be surprised that I I just really I again I I know I'd heard it like once but totally forgot about it was Fallout Boys Beat It. Oh, with John Mayer. Absolutely slaps. It was Fall, great. Fallout Boys one of those bands that like I haven't liked them for a long time because of the style change they've had, but I loved them when they first were around. And what's cool about this is you really hear the like, you know, hardcore and even metal influence that a lot of them have. They're incredible musicians and they I don't really like their new stuff I appreciate the musicianship as we talked about a lot of things, but it's not for me. But it reminds me because a couple of those guys are actually in one of the only like modern super groups that I know exists, which mm. is called the Damned Things. Okay. Which I love, which is I believe two members of Fall Boy. I think the drummer and one of the guitarists. And then Keith Buckley, who's the singer of Every Time I Die, okay. who is generally screaming his head off in Every Time I Die, has an amazing singing voice and mostly sings in that band. And Scott Ian from Anthrax on guitar. Okay. So they play this awesome, like, dirty, bluesy metal stuff. And knowing the two of the guys from Fall Out Boy are in that and are shredding on there. Scott like, Ian with his giant yeah. red goatee or whatever he's got going on and, there. And I believe the bassist is either from Anthrax or Every Time I Die. I forget sure. which one. But so they're like... The only super group that like I really know or I've ever really listened to. Well, I guess people considered the Postal Service a super group, but that was all other thing. But uh, you you really get to hear Fall Out Boy really kind of wail out in this one. You never you never get that from them. So this this was such a, a fun uh, remembrance of how good Fall Out Boy was and how they can really shred. Yeah, well, and I liked that they broke into halftime during the guitar solo. Yep. The only thing that I didn't like, and I appreciate that you used, that he that they used John Mayer because he's, I mean, he's a prodigy. He's an amazing guitarist. I wish they had used Orianthe, who is an incredible, I believe, I think she's Australian. She might be from New Zealand. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe she's Australian. Guitarist that when MJ was doing his O2 Arena tour well not even a tour but residency at the o2 arena in the uk before he died orianthe had submitted a, a, a tape of her playing the solo from beat it which had originally originally been done by eddie van, van halen, halen. Yep. and she was she, not credited by the way not credited at all correct not credited at all but she had done that version and he hired her on the spot. I really wish that they had used Orianthe, but I mean, who knows? Maybe she wasn't available. Maybe yeah, John Mayer was in well, town. He didn't, I mean, he didn't do the even, solo. He didn't do the solo exactly like Eddie would have. No, he put and his own sort of bluesy spin. And that's what I think they it. wanted. Sure. As opposed to getting, also, I mean, it could be label stuff too. And whatever. Yeah. 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 Even at this point, they were already ma super major. So yeah. I mean, well, it, and who knows? Maybe that's just the feminist in me saying, I wish you would use the right. woman. No. Damn it. No, don't, but, talk about, don't talk about my John Mayer. But, but all right. So songs <laughs> off my list that. Yes. So there were two from newfound glory. Uh, one is King of wishful thinking. Yeah, that's Corey's favorite. It's, 
it's fantastic. It's so great. And one of the reasons that that sort of hit close to my heart is because um, Don and I, before we had our son eight years ago, we used to go every Tuesday night with a bunch of friends of ours and do trivia, music trivia. And for some reason, King of Wishful Thinking always used to come up and the artist is Go West. And my good friend, Jen DeSanto was always the one that knew that. And she's like, I know this song. It's Go West. She's the queen of like random tertiary hit musicians. And you can always count on her in a clutch for that. So I had chose King of Wishful Thinking. I also chose Power of Love, uh, Huey Lewis in the News. My dear husband loves Huey Lewis in the News. The sports album is great. We can get into a whole American Psycho thing about that, but we're not going to be chopping anybody's heads off with with chainsaws. Um, But I absolutely love that cover as well. And I really liked how they used the same synth. Yes that they used in Huey Lewis in the News goes back to the same homage with Disarm, with Silverstein using the tubular bells uh, that Smashing Pumpkins used. I really like that sort of, it's like a wink and a nod. If you know it, then you know it and you get it. If you don't, then it's just a really cool effect. I have a different opinion on that. I I actually didn't like that they used, like I I actually said to her, I wish they would have used something different than the the original synth on that. Just because I, I felt like it was too much of an homage, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think it was. Same with the ch- I with think the it was just bells. enough that it, I think because that's so well known, exactly, and, and, and that synth sound also fits that eighties vibe so well yes. that it's just like what else? But are you the way do? they did it though was so cool, and I think that took away from what they were doing sure. because it, it kind of it was kind for me it was fighting it was fighting that eighties. I think one of the other things that, I don't that, agree that, with that. that was interesting for them with this third album is this is I believe this is the because I think the second one they still had they most of their time as a band they were a five piece with two guitarists and only okay. in the last couple of years did they move to only having one guitarist because of a fallout with the other guy and I think. I think something bad may have happened there, but I can't really remember, so I probably shouldn't speculate, but I, I think he might have done some fucked up shit, if I if I recall correctly. Mm. So it also may be a result of the fact that when they're in studio, like, they don't, like, they play true to what they can do live. So although these are covers and stuff, like, they weren't going to do another guitar kind of thing because they usually don't have that. Uh, when they do play live, though, they generally do have somebody doing keyboard and guitar, and it's actually for the longest time been... I'm probably going to get his name over. I think his name is like Ryan William Key, the singer of Yellow Card. Uh, okay. He's generally their extra touring musician, which is okay. super cool. Yeah. I believe on one of their tours, he was like also opening and doing his solo stuff and some Yellow Card That makes card sense. Stuff. They're very similar. Yeah. In, so in it, it, it's cool, for, uh, you know, because Yellow Card isn't doing anything either for him to go around with them yeah. um, and, and help pipe that up. But I think that, that that synth thing may be to the point that, you know, you know, you got to drive the power chords home in that one. So that's what Chad's doing on the guitar. And maybe it's just yeah. like, all right, so like, what else are we going to do to replicate that sense? And we're just going to put it the fuck in the way it was. Yeah. So well, it, and I think, it may explain, but I, think I, so I can much, get what you're saying. Yeah. I think so much was different enough that adding those synth sounds, just like adding those bells in, in disarm was enough of a nod to the original song to say, we respect you. We understand why you put this in here is iconic. We're going to use it too, but we're going to change yeah. everything else up. And the third one that I had had was Wonderwall by Cartel. Oh, I Just love because that one. it Wonderwall is 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 such I haven't heard it. It's 
It's really great. Good. It's great. And, and that it's seems such like a wonderful songs... song from my high school years. I mean, Wonderwall really hits me in the feels when you talk about high school because I was a huge Oasis fan in high school. I feel like that would have been possibly on my list of songs you shouldn't do if I didn't already know the Cartel song mm. and how good it was. And I'm like, it's okay, very, fine. very good. Like, yeah. And I love the singer from Cartel. Mm-hmm. I think I, I like the way he enunciates his words. I like the way he sings. I think he sings with passion. Oh, and it's a it's just, just a really good cover. It's a good, solid cover. Um, the other one that I really liked, and I'm not a huge fan of the vocalist, but it was the song Party All the Time. Who did it? Who did it? Something with scientists. Oh, thank you, scientists. Thank you, scientists. Yes. So I loved that it sort of got a little prog rocky in there. It's very, very technical. It's very, very um, complicated. And I liked they took this cheesy ass 80s song from freaking Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy, exactly, and turned it into something that you would see like Symphony X yep. do. So they are, I believe they're a New Jersey based band. Okay. Uh, Mason, our host for Pucks and Potables, his band toured with Thank You Scientist. Uh, I think they did Canada and I think some of the northern part of the country. And they are an also band, and they are like a, I don't want to say pet project, but they are like a, a very near and dear, uh, like the reason they have been able to come up is that Claudio Sanchez of Coheed and Cambria, I believe, like kind of discovered them. And I think he has his own label and they're on it. So they're like kind of like a project of his. And you can definitely hear a lot of like Coheed-ish yeah. influence to them. Okay, that makes um, sense so that now that I know that. I, I, lo- I love that band. They have two incredible albums they they have horns, which is weird. Yes, but I think they're um, I think they might be like keyboard horns. I don't think they have a horn player. Yeah, their technical work is just but, it's it's solid. Yeah, it's great. It's super clean. It's it's very uh, mm, not rush like Devo. It, they they sort of have like a Devo kind of vibe. I mean, you could say, I mean, Rush computer is, is rock. progressive, so yeah. Yeah, that computer but rock. Yeah, I, can, I see what you mean by Math that. rock, whatever that is, super sub, sub, sub genre. So, Don, yeah. we didn't swap playlists, but it sounds like you've heard a couple things, at least off mine or anything. So, yeah. is there anything that you can, you know, think that you picked off that you were like, yeah, like, I can, I can get into this that you didn't know about? No, I think the ones that she uh, pointed out were the, were the big ones. Okay. Um, really, really good stuff but yeah i mean i think and back to your point that that you said before that's one of the reasons why i i don't think any song is off limits because i believe there's always somebody that could do it better than the original yeah i mean that's i mean i guess i i didn't really think about the wonderwall thing until lee brought up liking the cover version so i mean that i guess it does really lean in to your point uh, I I guess maybe when I when I put the two I had at least on my list of Don't Stop Believing Bohemian Rhapsody, like I said, I've heard covers of both. Never really heard one that I thought was even like half decent. So I guess it, like that's probably factored into it, and that's made me have that belief. Whereas you know, obviously, if somebody finally came along and and did it justice, in my opinion, then that would definitely change my mind. So you're right. I mean, it, you know, there's got to be somebody, but whether it will happen or it would be really difficult to do those two. Yeah. Especially Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, I, I've heard covers and I don't care for it. It's I, I've never heard a cover of it and I and don't I don't, th- I, I don't think I, I just don't know. Unless you have 
the capabilities that Freddie Mercury had. Right. Because that was his. Like, but he that, that was have his those capabilities. Child. Is that something that you do? Because Adam Lambert has those capabilities. He tours with Queen, but I don't necessarily think I want to hear him sing Bohemian and, Rhapsody. Well, like, Pentatonix covers it every time. And look, Pentatonix could do it. But yeah. it's, it's, it's going to sound great vocally. But you're not going to get the musicianship. You're not going to have a band. No. Behind. It's going to be this acapella thing. And I'll appreciate that. But it's like, it, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody, for as impressive as all the vocal layering is, it's also an awesome musical song. Exactly. Yeah. So like, nail it that. nail it down. It is what it is. It's iconic. It's untouchable. It's another untouchable, for sure. So the next thing that I had was our, our personal top uh, couple of covers. So I put three to five here. I, I picked five. Uh, but I don't really, I mean, it, it gets pretty rough. I kind of just picked five for the sake of it. So uh, I can kind of run down mine real quick. I don't think there's too much to hit on. We've talked about a couple of them. Thrice Eleanor Rigby is, is a mm-hmm. big one of mine. Because yeah, we talked I, about this. It's it's a song that that I, even though I don't like the Beatles, I really like that song. So my favorite band to do a cover that I like even more really just all aligned with me very well because of the few Beatles songs that I kind of do enjoy, that was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the singer of Thrice Dustin Kentry doing Round Here, which we talked about, is probably my favorite cover of all time. Uh, he does so many good ones. He has an, an EP and an album of of covers. He does Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus, which is an incredible one. Mm. He does Creep by Radiohead, which is really good. I think he does like I think he does a Lord song, which like I'm not a big Lord guy, but I I really enjoyed this cover like of her. that. He does a brand new. Uh, cover I forget which song he, I think he does limousine limousine or degauss or I forget and I really love that so pretty much everything he does again I'm biased but I I'm pretty sure they would hold up uh, for pretty much anybody you mentioned Paul Abdul earlier because we were talking about American Idol Halifax mm-hmm. covering straight up is one of my favorite okay. covers of all time yeah I I love Paul Abdul's version of that I don't know why I like that song so much but it's just a good it's catchy so song it's and just a cover, bop it's and a bop cover is really good uh, everything Halifax ha- has done uh, for me has been very good, but that cover might be my one of my favorite songs of theirs, even of all their original stuff. Hit the lights, Hey Jealousy. Okay. I really like Hey uh. Jealousy on its own as well, but I really like the Hit the Lights cover, and it, it resonated with me because we covered that in our cover band, and I was just playing it in the Hit the Lights style, which was more fun for me. Yeah. Play a little faster, play it with that pop punk edge, yeah. so that's up there for me. And then uh, a recent one, because a lot of these are a little older, was Neck Deep covering Torn by, is it Natalie? Natalie Imbruglia. Imbruglia. And I uh, think that, let me let me double check, but I think that in and of itself is a cover song. Is it? I believe so. Natalie. She's Australian, right? She is. She was, she was married she, to She was made, Daniel married Jones. to Daniel Johns, the lead singer of Silverchair. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, let me see. Yes, it's a cover. And it was mm-hmm. written by an alternative rock, a, a Danish alternative rock band called Edna Swap. And <laughs> it was done. Um, that doesn't in, even count. No, in 1993. <laughs> and yeah, the single by Edna Swap was released in 1995, but Torn was Natalie Imbruglia's song, and she did it in 97. So the original version was written in 1993 by Scott Cutler and Anne Previn as a solo song, and but it didn't release. They, re, they recorded it live, but they didn't release a recording, like a, a studio version of it. So 
uh, the version that everybody would know would be the Natalie Imbruglia version, but right. I just recently found out that that in and of itself is a cover. I did not know that. Add yes. it to the list. Yeah. All right. Top top covers. Oh my goodness, that's tough. Um, I mean, I had said like ones that are better than the original. And I know that we do not agree on this, but I really do love Disturbed Sounds of Silence. And I did this as an assignment with my fifth or my sixth, seventh, and eighth grade students this year. And I had them listen to the Simon and Garfunkel version and had them listen to the Disturbed version. And they needed to tell me which one they liked better and why. And it was sort of split. A lot of students like the Simon and Garfunkel version. A lot of students like the Disturbed version. I like the Disturbed version very much because I think it's so diametrically opposed to what Disturbed normally does. And I love that it starts out very sparse, very bare with this harp solo, this plucked harp solo. And then you sort of get these strings coming in, you get these timpani that are coming in, and it eventually crescendos to a more restrained version of what this lead singer normally does. And it just shows a lot of despair. I think it shows a lot of frustration and it puts out a different vibe than what Simon and Garfunkel had originally intended to do so i i really do like that as as a cover that i like better than the original um well, these are just your top favorites you know, those have to my be top oh ones. yeah well and and i would say that they're a top favorite and i would say another top favorite if i had to choose Another one, I would choose um, Real Big Fish's cover of Take On Me by AHA. And that probably, you know, is a nod to the ska sensibility that I have. I remember in college going with my friend Frank in like 97, 98, 99 to these dance halls in New England. And we would see the pie tasters and less than Jake and the Scottalites. And he and I would be, you know, dressed in our retro clothes because at the time, you know, swing dancing was making a comeback. You had squirrel nut zippers. You had money, money, Boston's. So all this retro music was coming around. And Real Big Fish was huge. And I absolutely loved their Turn the Radio Off album. I loved that they had done this cover of Take On Me. But that was not the first time that I had heard the cover of Take On Me. The first time that I had heard a good cover of it was with MXPX. MXPX does a great cover of Take On Me. But when Real Big Fish added in those horns, that was sort of like the little sprinkles on the cupcake, right? The little cherry on top. And that really did it for me. And I just have absolutely loved it since then. So I do a unit with my students on cover songs. And 
a lot of them don't like the real big fish version, but that's probably because they just have bad taste. So whatever. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I like it. that they use the horns to replace the echoing yes. of it instead of like doing both. I like that yes. they tastefully made sure to just use the horns. For and it. I love that they're another cover. band that doesn't take themselves seriously. They understand that they're just, they're just having fun. And if they happen to make hit records, then cool. I don't know if that was originally their intent or if they just wanted to, you know, get together and make some really cool music but I mean, they're definitely podcast portal was approved because when you have a song that's just I think i'll have myself a beer for sure right home here yes so yes and, and a uh, a flyers uh frequented song for sellout every time they have a sellout the games they would excellent play yes yes so i'm a very big real big fish fan if i had to choose top three mm. i would say on the watchtower all along the watchtower along the watchtower would be uh, number two, probably would be the cover that John Mayer does of a Jibby song, Access Bold as Love. Mm, okay. Uh, really, really, really good. Really good. I love his cover of Free Fallen as well, but Bold as Love is, is yeah, fantastic. Free as Fallen well. is good. And he does Route 66. He does, he does a bunch of covers. That he does he Crossroads. Does well. And he yeah. covers Every Rose Has Its Thorn on Chappelle's show. Does he? Does oh, he? That's how he does. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's right. I'm from the suburbs, man. I can't help it. <laughs> and number three. Are you thinking about it or do you not? No, I had it. I had it and then I started listening to you guys and then I lost it. That's why I kept paper notes and I wrote All right, well, things sorry, down. Buddy, you're out of time. I'm yeah. out of time. <laughs> All right. So just those top two are good. Okay. All right. The only last thing I had before we go, I, I, I originally had a hard time coming up with these, but I came up with a couple Right before we started recording, so I don't know if I'm alone here, but mm. uh, ideas of bands you would want to cover a song. If you can think of like a band and a song you would want to hear the cover of. So I came up with three, and I don't know. You guys will know two of the songs I want covered. I don't know how familiar you'll be with the bands, but I, th- I think these are pretty good pairings. I was pretty proud of these because I liked the idea, but the application was difficult, but I'm, I'm Happy with what I came up with here. So the first one is this band Dance Gavin Dance that is just this all around psychotic kind of prog punk emo madness kind of band. It's hard to describe their genre, but their singer has this amazing high singing voice, which I think fits this song very well because of the guest vocalist they have on it. So I would like them to cover Call You Mine by the Chainsmokers with okay. uh, whatever the person name, like Bebe Rexa or Bebe something. Rexa. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I think they could do a really cool cover of that. So they're a very back and forth band where the one guy sings this crazy high-pitched voice and then the other guy comes in and screams. So I feel like if they have the um, the singer do the, the Bebe Rexa stuff and then kind of, I don't know, do some kind of backing screaming vocals with that, that could be a very fun song. Mm-hmm. And because they're very technical with their guitars and have very intricate lead lines and stuff. I feel like they could do that kind of EDM style on mm. their guitar very well. And for some reason, I really like the Chainsmokers. Uh, so I would like to hear people cover them because I'm really into their songs for some reason, even though it's not really my style usually. I have problems with the Chainsmokers. I like their... Uh, I like a couple of their songs, but generally I think they seem like a bunch of 20-something white douchebags that may or may not be date rapists. Oh, probably. I mm-hmm. Well, the songs are catchy. I can't deny it. Mm. But I definitely get that vibe. 
Yeah. I, I can't argue with you. I'm like, I think you definitely coerce a woman into having sex with you, but because oh. you're in the chain smokers, but. Well, I mean, uh, unfortunately, that's a lot of artists at this point. Mm. Just troubling. Uh, the next one I had, and it's funny, this this song played on the car ride here because my wife only listens to like three songs. <laughs> and I used to love this artist, but I don't care for his new album, uh, The Weeknd. Okay. I I was obsessed with The Weeknd. I thought he was like the next coming, and this new album disappointed me so much. I okay. don't like it. I want to hear Blinding Lights covered, even though I hate the song as it is. I actually hate the song. I think it's very cheesy and very generic for how good a lot of his stuff was. I would like their four year strong cover of that who have done a ton of covers already. So I know they're good at it. They're also a band that even though now they don't really use a synth, they used to. And I feel like it would be cool to hear that pop punk synth doing that, you know, that synth line that that song is known for, but then having their, you know, easy core background behind it would be really fun and would make me enjoy that song a lot more. And the last one, you may know this song because it was a, a big flyer song in like 2012, 2013 maybe. Is it Pennywise Bro Him? No, because <laughs> no one should cover that because that song is just <laughs> awesome as it is. But Knock Knock by Mac Miller, rest in peace. I okay. love Mac Miller. I would love to hear August Burns Red cover that. Okay. Make it metalcore as hell. And and I think that that could really work out. And any, any bands, Pop Punk or Hardcore, doing some Mac Miller stuff – Pay tribute to him because rest in peace. Pour one out for our guy. Big Mac Miller fan, but would love to hear some covers of him. Knock Knock's my favorite song by him because of the the ties I have it with the Flyers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it is a really good song. Mm. Uh, upbeat, fun. The, the kind of thing that, like, that's how I remember Mac. So Okay. So the ones, you would ask me this, and I thought about it, and I couldn't think of any particular artist, but I thought, I'm like, let's go meta. I'd like to go meta and see an artist cover the artist that covered them in the style in which the artist covered them. So I would love to see Phil Collins and Genesis cover Disturbed's Land of Confusion, but in the same style that the, that Disturbed had covered it. Okay. If that makes sense. I thought you were saying like to then just cover a Disturbed song in a no. Genesis style. No, but to cover Land of Confusion... Or redo Land of Confusion with those voices in the style. So have the original band play the cover version as is. Correct. 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 So that was one. And then the other one was sort of issued as a challenge. I want to see any contemporary rapper. Well, let's just say any contemporary mumble rapper. Lil Yachty, Migos, whatever is out now and then. I don't know. Boogie with a hoodie, whatever. I don't even know. I, I know these things through my students. So shout out to my lovely students. But I would like to see any mumble rapper, I challenge you to cover an Eminem song or a Busta Rhymes song. Because you can't do it. Yeah. And, and the reason why I know you can't do it is because I, I watched I watched a YouTube interview and I think it was some like radio station in Atlanta and Lil Yachty was on this, this radio station in Atlanta and they had asked him to freestyle and they gave him a beat and motherfucker couldn't do it. Could not do it. Because they can't. They can't. Let's be honest. 
babe, you and I grew up in the golden age of rap and hip hop. Tupac, Biggie, Busta, Warren G, Outcast. Nate Dogg, Outkast, Snoop. We can even go into Nelly, but you even get into The Roots, Run DMC, uh, Flowetry. I mean, forget about it. You can't compare to these artists. So, you know, even when I listened to the rap battle between Machine Gun Kelly and Eminem, and Eminem starts out by rapping in this sort of like stuttered mumble rap style and then goes into like his, the the greatness that we know is Eminem and just absolutely annihilates it. And, and these, these other rappers nowadays, because I'm, I'm an old head and I'm old school and I can go ahead and say this, they just can't compare. So you know what? I'll issue the challenge out. If you, I mean, I want to see somebody effectively cover Busta or Eminem and do it well. Do it well. I dare you because I don't think you can. I'm not a mumble rap guy and I'm very no. selective with my no. rap, but I like there are some modern people that can hang. I can I can try to give you a few. Well, like I'll give you K Dot, Kendrick Lamar, absolutely for sure. Meek Mill, absolutely for sure. Those are two off the very top of my head. Royce to five nine. I like Royce. Royce is really um, good. I and and to be honest, just for I, I don't even necessarily think that it's artistic credibility, but I like Cardi B. I really do. I like Cardi B. I like, I like Lizzo. I like Megan the Stallion. I like her. I don't think Megan the Stallion, first of all, she negotiated an absolutely shitty contract, but I don't think she has the kind of cred that like a little Kim or Foxy Brown would, but you know, it, she, she's getting there. She's getting there. Don't you have any ideas for covers of covers? No, of covers? but I remember my third. Okay. <laughs> so we could circle back. Now? We could circle back. We'll circle back and then we get a wrap. Uh, it my up top Tommy. three. I could just announce my top three and okay. then you can you can roll it in. No, just just go. go back in. So my top three again. I'm not doing any of that work. Awesome. <laughs> my top three again are All Along the Watchtower mm-hmm. by Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bold, Bold is, is love, love by John Mayer. And Respect by Aretha Franklin, which is a cover. That's true. Yep. That's true. It is a cover. Writing. Yes, that so is an Otis Redding cover. I do not have the new thing that you just okay. asked. Cover of a cover and who wants to cover what. Yeah, whatever, whatever you want to do no, with it. But. That's fine. All right, this was a, a hell of a conversation. Yeah. I think there's a lot to unpack here, but for anyone that is you know, even close to as into music as the three of us are, I hope that it's something that you can appreciate. We could have gone four hours, so I know this is over too, but... I, I think Sorry. That, no, I mean, I think there's a lot of good stuff to unpack here. And the good thing is because this is broken up in the topics, I think it's an easy thing to split into, you know, two or three lessons if you have to. So if you made it this far, thank you very, very much. We will definitely work to keep this probably around 90, give or take, uh, since it'll probably be like in every two weeks or even maybe once a month kind of thing for a while until we figure out where we're going with it. But again, appreciate everybody listening. Appreciate Don and Lee for coming on. Uh, I expect them to be regulars uh, for sure. If not, you know, maybe even kind of, you know, running this damn thing. Uh, much more knowledge than I have other than if we're going to talk about some some easy core or some hardcore and metal. So uh, I'll be happy to get a lot of different voices on here, talk about a lot of different music. Again, if there's anything that you would like to hear us talk about, it can be anything. It'd be breaking down 
a discography, breaking down a particular album, a, a specific genre, uh, things like that. We can do any of that. Broader topics like we did here with covers. We mentioned we'll probably do one on, on sampling, uh, which I think is a great idea. So definitely into something like that. We can do eras, anything like that. We can do beefs. So mm. a, a whole lot. Mm. We can you know we can do a one v one. Maybe each of you bring. Uh, you know, an, an artist to the table and, and, we, and we battle it out in a debate. That could be fun. So we'll, we'll definitely cook it up. So let us know what you want to hear. But appreciate everybody for checking it out. For Don and Lee, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to you guys next time.